welcome to None of My Friends Like Comics. This is a podcast where a comic book enthusiast talks to a newcomer about a piece of work in the medium, and we break it down to see if my friend, the first-time reader, will pull it or drop it. I'm your host, Nick Poffenbarger, and my returning co-host today is my good friend, Max Gravenscroft. He's back, baby! Hi. <laughs> first-time guest, first to return. Hell so, yeah. That's what I always say. Um, I'm no longer a newcomer to comics. It's true. And technically, I wasn't in the first place. It's but, true. But here, our dogma at No One Likes Comic Books is there are no rules. You can't crack some eggs <laughs> without without making an omelet. Breaking the rules. Yeah. That's what I've always heard. Yeah. I don't know. That's <clears throat> not good. So anyways. Not a saying. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Yeah. Um. So back uh doing a book today um since we've already had you on before we obviously don't have to talk about um you know your first experience with comic books if people want to hear that they can listen to our first episode on killer be killed um so we're just going to kind of jump into the book now and uh, get into the format here um you know just talking about some uh background information because today i'm very excited we are talking about a book um, it's an Elseworlds style miniseries called Batman White Knight. Uh, and uh, it's the first superhero book we've ever done on this show. Kind of excited. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I'm glad we picked a um, a uh, offshoot Batman story. A self-contained... Not in main continuity story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is a... Uh, this is one that I'm, I'm pretty fond of. We'll get into it here. Um, so uh, just some background information on the book itself. Uh, this is written and drawn by Sean Gordon Murphy. Uh, colors are by his frequent collaborator, Matt Hollingsworth, and it's lettered by Todd Klein. Uh, this book is an eight-issue miniseries that debuted in October of 2017 and ran consistently through to its final issue in May of 2018. Uh, it, it, when it came out, it was pretty much a mega hit. Um I did read it. it was supposed to only be seven issues. Yeah, they did extend it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Does that happen very often? With successful ones. Yes. Um, uh, I mean, uh, I feel like DC in comparison to Marvel is more privy to that, like changing the numbers halfway through, you know, um, I've seen Marvel do it a, a few times with like some books that I was happened to be reading and, um, uh, but not nearly as much as, um, with DC. Um, uh, but yeah, um, you know, uh, th- this, uh, this definitely made a lot of top lists when it was released. Um, uh, it's also spawned two sequel series so far with another slated to begin in uh, March of this year, 2022. Um, I feel like this book is what really launched Murphy into the stratosphere of mainstream comics. Um, I mean, he'd worked on critical darlings and bestsellers at this point, um, you know, uh, as as me and Max both know, because um, we're both fans of uh, Tokyo Ghost. That's what I was going to say. That's I was really excited to read this because Tokyo Ghost is one of my favorite comics. Yeah, um, that's uh, one mostly of mostly for the art. Yeah, that's one of the first um, comics that me and you really bonded over. Yeah, that we talked about. Um, and I got you that hardcover. That's worth like two hundred dollars now. I sold it. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Don't sell it. I'll buy it from you. And it's actually buried deep in a box because I've been rearranging stuff and yeah. I wanted to get it out the other day and I was like, 
Yeah. It's like underneath like 40 other hardcovers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's a, that's a great book though. Yeah. He did that with Rick Reminder. That's a, a favorite of both of ours. Um, he did a, a book on, for, uh, Vertigo called, uh, the wake with Scott Snyder, where he was the artist. Um, uh, he did chrononauts with Mark Miller, you know, he's worked with a ton of big names before he did this book. You know, I don't want to underplay like, and pretend like Murphy came out of nowhere or something, you know, <laughs> with is this, this his only, um, writing credit. No, no, actually I'm uh, we'll get into that here in a sec, but, um, uh, uh I just, I, the only reason I say that it, this is what really launched him is because I never remember people mentioning him offhand. Like he was just like inherently a legend before this book. Um, anyway, more info on the book itself. Uh, as I said before, um, this is an Elseworlds style Batman story, meaning it takes place in its own, but familiar kind of continuity, given the, you know, just an opportunity for the creators to have some freedom to play with concepts and ideas that may not fly in the typical, you know, narrative of the, the main, the main universes. Um, uh, you know, it could be a bit darker, more mature, or just, or just more out there in general. Um, I think uh, <laughs> I tried to write like an, an apt summary of this book. And I think that uh, this is uh, what kind of describes it here. So if I were to explain the plot of this book to someone without spoilers, um, the Joker, Batman's ultimate villain, is cured of his madness. He begins to kind of right some wrongs and set forth plans to genuinely make Gotham City a better place by saving it from the likes of Batman. Yeah, the main the the main uh th crux is that the roles are reversed sort of where batman is kind of made out to be the bad guy which admittedly is like a very junior first idea sounding concept yes um and actually that that goes perfectly into like our little next section that i like to do where we talk about like our first exposures to this book or like if uh, the newcomer a uh, new reader, which would be Max here, um, uh, had any like, you know, preconceived notions about this. I just want to say real quick, when I, I will fully admit when I heard the pitch for this book, I was like, nah, <laughs> like not sold at all. Joker going sane, heard that pitch before read some of those stories. Not great. <laughs> never has never, has never really hit for me. It's just so tired and such an obvious idea. Like, well, the Joker's crazy, but what if he wasn't? You know? <laughs> Turns out he's really smart. Yeah, it's so easy to just go off the rails with that idea and just make it fucking bad. Like, it's just, I don't know. It, it's such a like, you know, oh, you thought about this for two whole minutes thing, you know? <laughs> but, you know, it like, and like I said, it, it's been done before, but to not so stellar results. Uh, but the big caveat here, which is Sean Murphy himself, um, Luckily, I had read Tokyo Ghost and a book that he did called Punk Rock Jesus, which he wrote Andrew. And so I not only knew Murphy as this, you know, amazing as the amazing artist he is, uh, but also knew he wasn't a hack writer. I knew that he could write and I was curious about it, um, especially doing something like Batman. And I'm so glad that I decided to pick up the first issue um, cause I was hooked pretty instantly. Um, even though I'd say it wasn't until issue two that I was like, okay, I, I really dig this actually. Like, it's not just good. It's, it's something really cool. And I think it's pretty special. Um, 
once you start to see his take on the Batman universe, there's like an extra layer of wonder that kind of overtakes you in this story, I think. And uh, I, I couldn't get enough of it. So, you know, like I said, normally I'd ask if, um, you know, the my first time reader here, uh, Max, um, had any preconceived notions about the book or, or had heard of this book. And we'll get to that in a second. But I was thinking about this right before we came on. And like, uh, in general, like, what is your familiarity with just Batman comics, Max? Like not, not this one, but like Batman in general. Cause I know, yeah, I mean, obviously I know that, you know, the movies and cartoons and whatnot, but I'm not sure we've ever really talked about like Batman in a comic sense before. Yeah. I mean, as a, as a nineties child, I mean, we were all obsessed with Batman as yeah. kids. Um, and so, like you said, I know, I know the cartoons, I know the movies. Um, the only Batman comics I've read, I've read Nightfall. Um, you read the whole thing? Uh, I read the first two omnibuses. Yeah, the big, because those are some big fucking volumes. They're really big. Yeah. Um, I've read those. I've read, um, there was one you gave me where, oh fuck, what's it called? It's like. It's, it's a Batman and Joker story. I think it's just called Joker, where it's from the Joker's perspective. The Brian Azzarello, I think Joker so. story. Yeah, that's the one that like a lot of people say heavily inspired Heath Ledger's interpretation, but it's really just like kind of a big coincidence. No. <laughs> um, I've read that one. I've read um, Batman Noel. I think. Oh, with the, yeah, Lieber Hermejo. He's the same one who did the art in Joker. I think that's why I read it, because I liked the art. Yeah, he's a he's an amazing artist. Um, He did Batman Damn, too. And I've read Batman um, Earth One. I've read Batman Year One. And I've read Batman um, The Dark Knight Returns. Okay, cool. So you've got like the kind of big touchstone classic. Oh, and I've read All-Star Batman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've read All Star Batman. <laughs> that's so funny. That's the that's still the the one giant one that I haven't read. That one is a it that's one that has to be read to be believed. Same thing with the the Dark Knight sequel, but I think that um, All Star Batman and Robin the Boy Wonder is one that we're gonna do on this show one day, but I'll probably do it with Scott, my buddy Scott, uh, uh who is a huge Batman fan. And uh I think we'll do like a role reversal where he'll be the one <laughs> who's read it before and, and I'd be the first time reader. It's a trip. Uh, so yeah, I've actually kind of just thinking about that just now, I've actually read quite a bit of Batman stories. Yeah. I mean, I think if you have even just like a passing interest in comics, it doesn't even really matter the uh, type of comics you like. It's unavoidable to eventually go into some Batman just because he has as a character, you know, being one of, if not the most popular comic book character ever. Um, you know, he just has all these touchstone seminal moments for the comic book industry and the medium in general. I mean, you know, Dark Knight Returns on its own. Um, when Frank Miller did that, it, it set the comic book world into a whole different direction and dictated like how comics were presented to people. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, same that was kind of the end of the, uh, silver age, right? Or was that the bronze age at that point? Um, I think that brought us kind of, yeah, I mean, Bronze Age. Well, but, the real end of the Silver Age was when Gwen Stacy had that little neck snap, right? I mean, 
that was part of it. Yeah, no, that's the real thing. I don't know. I, don't I know about track of these timelines. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like so. Um, uh, with that being said, at least um, uh, had you heard about this book before? Like, did you have any preconceived notions or expectations? No. Um, I feel like the back little um headline blurb and in in general on the book uh, kind of uh, does it a disservice honestly i love gotham and it's time i paid him back that's how he sounds <laughs> <laughs> oh that's on the hardcover i mean like the uh, the actual like trade and background and all the promo material it's like um what does it say it says like the joker goes sane you know oh. or something like that um yeah i uh um most exposure I've had is the little um, statues you have of the Batman and, and uh, Joker and his Joker persona. Yeah. Uh, that I've looked at a lot. Yeah, I don't have a, um, I don't collect a lot of statues or anything like that. And, uh, but I do own the Batman black and white um, Sean Gordon Murphy versions uh, from this book of Batman and the Joker just because I really love this story. Yeah, because I remember looking at them and thinking, like, Nick doesn't like Batman that much. <laughs> why does he, why did he buy figures? Um, yeah. And then actually when you, you suggested this one um, and I saw that it was Sean Murphy, uh, I got, you know, I got excited. Yeah. Um, and I actually didn't realize until like four issues in that Sean Murphy was the writer too. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, what a talented fellow. Yeah. No, he's, uh, he's great. I mean, um. We'll talk about him a bit more, like kind of as we uh, go on in here. And uh, I have a lot of um, stuff about him strewn throughout the notes in the story that we'll go through. Um, but yeah, um, uh, I don't know. Um, I, I guess we could we could go ahead and get on into it. Um, <clears throat> I'm the Joker, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of quotes in this one, and I'm, <laughs> I'm 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 torn whether or not I should try to do voices or not. I'm I'm not good at them. I would say don't. <laughs> yeah. Be funny, Batman. I could do a Batman voice. Joker, oh, the Christian Bale Batman. <laughs> could you do the? Was it Ben Affleck Batman? He has the the little. Doesn't he have like a? He's got like a voice scramble, like a distortion thing. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta kill Superman, dude. The other day, I was thinking about how much I hate The Dark Knight Rises, and I was thinking specifically <laughs> because. Cause I've got a bad foot and I think about the fucking, how the whole beginning of the movie is about how Bruce Wayne's knee is destroyed. Oh, and then he puts from, those strap things he on. He puts it. that fucking thing on and he kicks a hole in the concrete and then he's <laughs> fine. I hated that so much. When he went to the doctor. Made me so angry. You just gotta go to the doctor. That was like, why even write that plot line in? It has no effect. Because if he was at his peak condition, then Catwoman wouldn't have got away with his with the necklace <laughs> or the pearls yeah but then he climbs out of the pit and he doesn't have that thing um, on well, his knee well it's the pit you know that movie sucks dude <laughs> it's so bad well if you get into semantics but everyone loves tom hardy's bane voice i don't know one per- i don't know one person who doesn't like that i love it <laughs> it's my favorite thing about the movie <laughs> i would be very painful for you <laughs> God, he can't do he can't do anything right. You're doing Venom Bane. <laughs> okay, well, that's a that's a thing for another day. Anyway, so uh, yeah, let's go ahead and get on into the story portion here. Um, this is where we go through the story in full detail to give context for our discussion. Uh, full spoilers ahead. You've all been warned. 
Um, yeah, so from the beginning here, this story, uh, it starts off with a familiar scene. Uh, we see the Batmobile. Do you mind and, if I set the scene? Oh, yeah, go for it. Go for it. Lightning. Dark. Arkham Asylum. Arkham Asylum. Lit only by the moon. There's actually no moon in the shot. And it's implied. You see a Batmobile. <gasps> it says Vroom, so you know it's driving. <laughs> Just so you know it's moving. Yes. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> so, but yeah, so um, uh, we see the Batmobile outside of uh, the gates of Arkham Asylum. No text or anything. Uh, we just see the Batmobile drive up to the entrance where a handful of guards await. And um, just from this tone setter kind of scene right off the bat, um, I got to point out how much I just love the uh, design elements of this book already. Uh, the Batmobile is like a mix of familiar stuff, yet it's new and unique. Um, Arkham Asylum is like a cross between the animated series and like Dave McKean's um, art from uh, Grant Morrison's uh, Arkham Asylum book the serious house on serious earth. It's like, uh, it's just a cool little like mixture. Um, what do you think of the, uh, I was going to ask you, what do you think of this, uh, main Batmobile? I love it. Design? Yeah. It's yeah. so cool. Yeah, it is really cool. Um, and what about the aesthetic just overall in the book? I know it's more of a general thought, I guess, this, but like this is, I mean, this tone setter is pretty consistent with the rest with Murphy doing the art the whole time. Um, I guess I've got quite a bit to say about how much I like the art. Yeah, but we can just we can just sprinkle it in throughout then as the, we get to parts. I mean, immediately, this is unique looking for Batman. Mm -hmm. um, unique, but like I said, unique but familiar. Yes. Like it's a uh, it it has a lot of animated series vibe to it, mm -hmm. but it's still got that Sean Murphy like uniqueness to it, and and he loves. It's obvious from this uh, this book as we go on, but he loves like just everything Batman media. So like he just incorporates stuff the from the general everything. art design of this is an amalgamation of all the Batman stuff you like. Yeah. Um, and kind of there's some, some of the designs I don't, I don't like as much as other ones, but like most of the designs in this are kind of perfect. Yeah. Looking um, super cool. But yeah, just right away, just the colors, the, the really heavy blacks, um, as Matt Hollingsworth, he knows how to color the shit out of Sean Murphy's art. It that's is. For sure. It, this is just very, and I mean, it, you don't see it much here, but a lot of this book is orange toned. Yeah. Um, and that's not really something you see very often in Batman. Batman's usually very blue. Yeah. Blue um, and black. And I mean, there are a lot of blacks in here, but yeah, orange, orange and red are very vibrant in this book um, yeah. or, or just a, attention grabbing at least gives um, it a different feel. Yeah. So I'm, I mean, immediately I'm in, <laughs> I'm in, I just, I love the art. Yeah. I love uh, well, it's a spoiler for the next page. But. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll go into okay. that then here. So, um, uh, we get a little like fake out for a page where the guards meet the uh, silhouetted figure who steps out of the Batmobile and lead him in. After he says he knows his way around, um, they unlock a cell only to reveal that it is Batman who is locked up. And one of the guards says to the visiting man, "Uh, it's been quiet. Hasn't said a word, Mister Joke, Mister Napier. I mean." Uh, revealing that this man is Jack Napier, a.k.a. the Joker, as he asks a chained-up Batman for help. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, uh, I we, we already said it a little bit from that first page, but like, I, I love the idea of um, using all kinds of Batman like 
media and continuities to make your own universe, you know, like with the Joker's name, like, or quote unquote real name being revealed to be Jack Napier from, you know, which is obviously from the uh, Batman 89 movie, Mm -hmm. Jack Nicholson's character, uh, the designs being a mold, like we said earlier. And, um, there really is something about the way this story is that, uh, it's so, it's so familiar that it almost, it just feels like the Batman timeline. Yeah. You know? Like you don't, you don't feel like, and, and, you know, this intro is the most like topsy turvy you really feel during the whole thing, because it's like, obviously it's just throwing you into the premise and it's, it's effective and it's a a gripping opening, you know, cause you want to know what's going on. But, um, like, yeah, it just, it, it doesn't feel like so distant that you're just like, you're just like, oh, in this one, like everything's backwards or whatever. Like there's a lot of stuff that's still familiar, like you know, right off the bat. What what I wanted to say about the art in this one is that <clears throat> the way Sean Murphy draws muscular men is so unique looking. Um, and I mean, no offense, all his muscular men kind of look the same. Like the, 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 the sh- body types. Yeah. Mean? The shape yeah. of Batman looks just like the main character from Tokyo ghost. Um, but he draws there. They look so like animalistic. They look like, like a really buff pit bull. Mixed yeah. with like a gorilla, like something about just the way he draws, uh, people in general is really appealing to me. Yeah. It's cool. It's like, uh, it's got, I don't know how to say it other than like, it's like almost like a, a serious animation anime vibe almost like, um, and, uh, it kind of, com- it, it kind of comes up, um, a little bit later in my notes as well, but Sean Murphy is very, uh, Japanese manga inspired. Okay. Um, he does like cite that a lot in his interviews and whatnot. And I think that's more relevant in, in other things, but I think it also has to do with his character designs to a point too, but he's kind of combined that with like, you know, European art that he likes and, and made kind of like his own pretty unique thing that, that a lot of people in, you know, a lot of artists in Western side of the world here, like don't really think to do. I really particularly like the way he draws faces. Yeah. I love that too. Um, though, you know, like the way he draws like women's faces, the way he draws men's faces, they're all, they're just so, I don't know what it is, but they're just, they're very expressive and they always feel like they're moving. Like they're actually saying the words like, and and I don't even mean that in the way that, um, I'm saying like, Oh, like, you know, it looks like their reactions and their facial expressions are matching what they're saying. He does do that. But I mean, like just the way he draws them, it looks like they're alive. Like there's motion there. He draws eyes and mouths really well. He's really good at conveying emotion with eyes too. Yeah. I think so. That's, that's just, that's me done circle jerking over how much <laughs> I like how this guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I pro- like it when he draws the goils. Yeah. He's <laughs> just the boobies. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, there were supposed to be boobies and F-words in this, but DC said no. Yeah. And they had the whole Batman's dick controversy. Was that from this? No. Oh. No. That was from Batman Damned, which was drawn by Lee Bermejo, who we talked about. Batman. I was getting Batman. excited. <laughs> that I Where's the dick? <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if you read Batman Damned, you can see uh, the tip of, you can see Batman's mushroom tip. Not a new copy, no. Um, in they, the they shadows. Censored it. They censored it. I have an OG copy. If you want to see Batman's dick, hit me up. Anyway, uh, it is well used. 
anyway, <laughs> so from here, uh, you know, from that kind of topsy turvy intro scene, we get a caption stating that it's one year ago and, uh, we stay here for most of the story until we catch up with that opening in the later issues. Um, in this sequence, we see uh, the Joker uh, being pursued by the Batmobile on a road. Um, Joker's like monologuing the entire time as as if they're like performing a show. Like he says, like, you know, let's start the show with one of our old standbys, the old drawbridge routine. And like, you know, he's like a smooth transition to our next gag, roof driving. And like, he's just like, you know, narrating it the whole time. Somehow uh, he's out racing the Batmobile on a hoverboard. Yeah, I was going to say he has a hoverboard, which he refers to as a scooter later, which I was which I was curious about. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so we see that um, in the Batmobile, uh, Batgirl um, is, is there with Batman and uh, she basically through their whole thing is like frequently commenting nervously about what they're doing. Um, she worries like about a ferry going under the bridge that they jump. Um, uh she tells Bruce that there are people living in the buildings um, that they're driving on and stuff because they're just like smashing roofs and shit. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's my first thought when he drives over a fucking building. I'm like, don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. And like, uh, oh, I guess I should say I'm a Batgirl um, in this uh, iteration is uh, her classic Barbara Gordon. I'm going to uh, these characters, by the way, I'm going to be going back and forth, calling them their yeah. <laughs> superhero name and their regular names, uh, just for variety's sake. And just how my thought process goes. Sometimes I call them one. Sometimes I call them the other. Nightwing uh, is Dick. Nightwing. Right? Nightwing is Dick. Yeah. Okay. Dick Grayson. Um, so, uh, uh, speaking of Nightwing too, um, uh, so like as this is happening, a uh, Nightwing enters, um, after Joker kind of leads them into a construction site with active workers and, uh, he pulls a guy out of the way before the Batmobile basically almost runs him over. And, uh, Joker like runs away. Batman says he's heading into the industrial district and goes off to find him. And uh, we get the revelation that Nightwing uh, isn't actually working with Batman and Batgirl. Um, he seems to kind of be operating on his own because he like yells at Batgirl and he's like, uh, get him on a leash, Babs. And like, uh, you know, she just kind of responds like he doesn't listen to me. <laughs> and then uh, uh, he like, you know, tells her to leave like like he did and it's it's instantly just like a really tense thing like so you know that nightwing at one point left and he's not working with batman and yeah i was like, very nervous i was I, I this intro didn't feel good to read it, yeah i mean like um right off i mean yeah you're just like it's like shit okay this batman is unhinged you know and, and we're just kind of getting inklings about like all the wrong shit that he's done or what's different about him like than what we normally know as like our hero you know and um so batman like chases the joker into a disposal factory um and he knocks over a guard in the process uh when barbara and dick like catch up um he says how he was just trying to tell batman where the joker went but but batman just like fucking knocked him down like carelessly you know um just kind of further illustrating how violent and reckless this batman has become and uh once inside Batman searches for the Joker while the Joker kind of taunts him. Um, he talks about how reckless Batman has become and how he's trying to help him. And when Batman asks what he means, Joker talks about how he's there to, you know, challenge him and make him better and says that their relationship is special because like, you know, Joker's Batman's biggest fan. And, uh, you know, and he, you know, is like, Oh, and that makes me your greatest villain. And Batman who isn't amused at all is like really short with him. And, um, says there's no relationship to which Joker responds. Um, he says, uh, now who's crazy. We're Gotham's favorite power couple. And like any couple, we're supposed to fight and he goes to attack him, uh, outside the GCPD, including Jim Gordon, 
uh, arrive and Nightwing asks, uh, you know, the guard, um, what's in the building. And, um, the guard's like, Oh, it's full of pills that the FDA are going to toss. And, uh, Nightwing and Batgirl like kind of rush in to help him. And they're like, Oh, what's the Joker want with pills? And, um, uh, there's a good panel right after Nightwing and Batgirl like swing in where the guard actually yells like, go get him Batgirl. You're my daughter's favorite. But in the foreground, you see Gordon for the first time and uh, he's just like looking on and I love his expression in this lo- panel. This is <laughs> like, another, I love the way Gordon looks in this book. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's awesome. And like his hair is always like kind of wispy and unkept and like he just looks stressed and like um, it. Uh, yeah. This one panel, like where you enter, you get introduced, you don't even see his like they don't even say his name or like you know you but you know it's him and uh it just conveys so much he looks tired and weary but he's like trying to remain like stoic and strong you know and it's actually never stated throughout this whole book if he knows barbara's uh background or not i think i think you kind of get confirmation of that later in the book of the brooks intent now the sequels i won't go into those spoilers because i'll say right now that you know we might do those (laughs) so i don't want to spoil anything that happens later but like I think, you know, from, from this short little intro, you could almost infer like he knows cause he looks worried kind of. Well, and I but mean, like, she's just got a black lines around her eyes. Uh, yeah. You know? But I mean, How I mean, for know? fuck's sake for years in the comic, in the main continuity, he doesn't fucking know. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things, but, um, yeah. So the, uh, following section is where everything converges in the factory. Um, Joker keeps taunting Batman about their relationship and, Batman eventually takes the bait and says that he, he gives him like some really harsh words where he's like, the Joker doesn't matter. And, um, the Joker only pretends they have this relationship because it gives him purpose and, um, things get more intense. Uh, when the Joker basically tells Batman that he has, uh, that he's been holding back this whole time that he could have beaten Batman at any point. Um, he goes on about how the only reason they tolerate Batman is because they're so terrified of, of the Joker. Um, he keeps arguing that Batman has created this terrible environment and of like never ending terror and crime because his vigilantism isn't about justice. It's about, um, exuding his own personal control. You know, like he feels like he needs to control like these situations and these things. And, um, yeah, he has a great line where, uh, he basically says, uh, you dragged us all into your, <laughs> into your perpetual Halloween, which I really liked. Yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> like, uh, you know, I mean, this argument is kind of like, tirelessly explored in regular Batman like comics and as well as Elseworlds ones. But this is like some pretty good like dialogue illustrating that. Yeah. Like, you know, I wrote down that like it, it touches on um, a little bit more realistic depiction of, of Batman and something that's commented on a lot, as you said that Batman's a fucking psycho. Yeah. Like he, he he brutally beats up people that are all of them are dressed up in costumes. Yeah. You know, and he he beats the shit out of them. So this story arguably takes um like to the fullest extent, basically. Um that is the point of this story. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's a very big part of the story. I mean, um, you know, spoilers, but it kind of ends on a revelation about that too. Um but uh yeah, so Batman through all of this gets more heated telling the Joker to shut up over and over again. And he pummels him into the ground, you know, like, uh, Joker just keeps digging into him though, you know? And, and, uh, he talks about disappearing Robins, how Gordon is fed up, like all this stuff that would just trigger Batman, you know? And, uh, uh, at this point, the GCPD along with Nightwing and Batgirl are present and they're just kind of watching this unfold. And after Batman 
just like lays into the Joker without holding back. The Joker, like all bloody and battered, holds up this bottle of pills. And with tears in his eyes, um, he says like in a broken, like kind of weak declaration, he says, uh, I see Gotham more clearly than any of you, but you won't admit it. To you, I'm just a psycho in makeup. You left me no choice but to come here tonight to prove it to you with these. If I can get better, I can get this city back on track. Finally show you that you need me. And Batman responds by taking the pill bottle and forcing the contents down the Joker's throat. Uh, yeah, super disturbing scene. Uh, hits you with some very sad, you know, real world analogies, unfortunately. Um, I mean, this is obviously a commentary on police brutality and, you know, um, things things of that nature. Uh, the story is very uh, motivated by the uh, political situation we've had. Yeah. In the States. Yeah, which the was a few years. Yeah. Which was, you know, still very relevant back in 2017 when this book uh, came out. Um, and so, yeah, the, the cops, Gordon, Batgirl, Nightwing, they all just kind of look on in horror, but, but they don't do anything. Um, Batman lets up as the Joker gaspingly says he can't breathe. Uh, the police take the Joker away and we see a figure who recorded the whole thing on her phone, walk away from the scene. And from here we jump to, uh, a recurring thing in the book where we see uh, two news talk show hosts uh, kind of discussing live what they refer to as the uh, Batgate scandal. Um, These people were really frustrating <laughs> because I would like find myself agreeing with one of them and then they'd say something horrible. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I'm like, fuck. They, it, and then one of them would, you know, the dude makes fun of SJWs. Yeah. You know? he, You're he, like, God he, damn it. Yeah, I was he mentioned you a second ago. He mentions that a couple of times. Yeah. They're, they're both like, they both have bad qualities about their arguments, unfortunately, even though they do illustrate both sides of like what this, you know, would realistically present like if, if this was a real yeah. situation. Um, th yeah. So th they each play kind of opposing sides of, of arguing. Um, the man is all for like, you know, locking up the Joker for his crimes while the woman argues that, you know, the view of accountability for the GCPD Batman, you know, I'm a, uh, there needs to be something done basically. Um, and, uh, this is, I, to me, this is actually like an obvious nod to, uh, Frank Miller. And as a night, it's a, it's a good way to kind of drop exposition for this universe in general and kind of move the plot along a little quicker. Um, because this book has a lot to say, <laughs> as we know, I do have, this is one of my big issues that I have with this story. Um, I just can't believe that they never, that the G they state multiple times that the, the, um, Gotham police department never has any convictions for the Joker besides a robbery, robbery. which is implied to be the robbery that turned him into the Joker. Yeah. Um, I, that just is impossible to believe. Uh, yeah. I think that, <laughs> you know minor spoilers for later in the story but like uh i think the implication of that is that because jack doesn't really know everything that joker's done and like i know what you're referring to by the the spoiler yeah um but it's still like it just i guess maybe it's a commentary on how corrupt either how the corrupt police are or that batman you know because he operates outside the law all the evidence has to get thrown out or whatever, but yeah. And I mean, and, and honestly, it could also be an implication of just how the Joker is 
good at hiding things like murder or something. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. You can infer it in a lot of different ways. But for the purpose of this story and for us to believe these first few issues, like going the way they are, we need to believe that the Joker could be like not as bad as we normally know him to be. And that's um, that's a, a disconnect I that stayed with me the whole this whole story. Yeah. There are some some things that kind of held it back a little bit for me. Yeah. And that's that's one of them. I think that overall, um, even the little stuff like that doesn't hold me back from just how well paced the narrative is and how uh, how much I dig the story. So I can mm-hmm. kind of let some things like that go. There's some stuff with, uh, again, spoilers, but uh, uh, with Mr. Freeze a little later that I'm also kind of like iffy on the the semantics of how all this stuff works. But um, yeah, if, if, yeah, but like, but overall, like I said, because I just enjoy the story and how it plays out. And there's a reason for those things to like, not be like concrete because of how the story needs to progress and be told. Um, I can kind of forgive it for those things, you know? Um, but you know, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get there and see what, see what you think and what everybody else thinks, you know? <laughs> but, um, yeah. So like, uh, from their, uh, that from these, uh, news anchors, like conversation, we learned that the GCPD has consistently denied association with Batman, but now they're on camera standing right next to him. You know, we learned the Joker, uh, like you were saying, has never been successfully convicted of anything more than armed robbery. Um, and we also learn that uh, there are protesters demanding answers to all of these questions, more often than not defending uh, Jack Napier, the Joker. Um, we get like a short scene where Gordon and Harvey Bullock and Renee Montoya are outside of uh, Napier's recovery room. Um, he's like hooked up to a bunch of life support looking machines. And Bullock argues about uh, how Batman is a maniac and how, how uh, he's glad that, you know, people can see that now. And, you know, Montoya is kind of just there to argue that. Batman saved a lot of lives and, uh, Gordon gets tired. Um, like, you know, he, he gives like this tired explanation that he always gives in like the main continuity where he's like, the GCPD has no association with Batman and I won't even acknowledge this conversation. And Bullock understandably at this point, you know, with all this shit going on, like rages at him and he's just like talking about how basically like that loophole bullshit isn't going to work anymore. And, you know, if Batman were a cop, he would have him brought up on charges you know, and, and he's not really wrong. That, like, that was the like, line when he said, if Batman was a cop, he'd be, he'd be charged with assault. Yeah. And I was like, yes, this is, you know, yeah. The way that this is being presented is really good. Yeah. Um, and I get, this is a little bit of a tangent. Um, I almost feel like this story would be more successful for me if there weren't other supervillains. If it was just Batman and the Joker, yeah, because that would make it even more like thematically like it really is just two fucking crazy people who like fight each other and destroy the city all the time. I mean, the villains, the other villains that we get to a little later are a bit more of a MacGuffin with the exception of the new villain who is introduced in this mm-hmm. story. Um, but uh, I can see what you mean. Um, I like them being there mostly because I like Murphy's designs for them and the ideas he has like he uses them for um there's a lot more to do with the other villains uh in the in the direct sequel to this curse of the white knight mm-hmm. um again i won't spoil that because we'll probably do it one day on this is show batman in it? but batman yeah he is in it <gasps> <That's a> spoiler 
<laughs> but um so uh yeah but after so so you know bullock uh montoya and gordon are all arguing and batgirl's seen in like a, another side view room and gordon excuses himself to talk to her uh further kind of illustrating like maybe he knows who she is <laughs> i don't know but um they never really say um they give us this uh exposition that they know nothing about the pills or how the joker even knew about them Batgirl asks if uh you know napier is going to be okay and gordon responds that he's tough but that napier isn't the one he's worried about um implying he's more worried about batman um we didn't get this like awesome page that is basically just like a nightmare vision of the joker's origin and like like you know you see a young guy going to the big city failing as a comedian falls into acid crime harley yada yada you know uh i also love how there's a uh like red batman logo squished it like into the shape of a heart over a silhouette of batman yeah and it's and it's bleeding like down onto harley which bleeds down onto a stressed looking joker as he like lays in his cell and uh in fact uh, this obviously was a nightmare um for we see jack wake up in his arkham cell and he's gasping and he's uh you know in the cell that he always goes to apparently and it's filled with like batman memorabilia this did confuse me. It confused me too for like a long time when I first read this. I was like, I was like, what? And I was like, oh, I guess they just let him have this stuff. I don't know. This is a little bit, um, one of, this is one of the good early examples of it. There's one thing that Sean Murphy does that I like a lot where he does, um, shading on faces with his fingerprints. Yeah. Um, instead of doing like, uh, hash marks. Yeah. Or hatch marks. The cross stitching. Yeah, yeah. It looks really cool. It does look really cool. Yeah. I dig that. Just looks a little bit more, I don't know. It looks dirty. Yeah. He draws, he draws dirty um, and real. <laughs> he draws faces very like whiskery and like, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, the story then jumps to Batman who, uh, as you know, as Bruce Wayne, not in like his Batman attire, uh, has invited Barbara and Dick over, uh, Dick is understandably upset with Bruce's actions, but Bruce doesn't even like dignify him with a response. Instead, he just mentions how like the stuff he's found out about the pills and, uh, he's like, it's a mystery. Like they were designed to be elusive. I can't tell what's in them even, you know? And, um, he leads him to a secret chamber where it's revealed that, uh, Alfred is bedridden and hooked up to life support, uh, shocked. Cause it's the first time they've seen of this. Barbara and Dick ask what's wrong with him. And, uh, Bruce replies that he's dying and he has no idea why. And it's at this point where I go, uh, old age, Alfred's old as fuck, but yeah, whatever. I was going to say, <laughs> probably be able to figure it out. <laughs> but apparently it's, it's something else in this. Um, so, uh, Dick also points out that, uh, one of the machines he's hooked up to is, uh, obviously freeze technology and playing Mr. Freeze. Um, and, uh, Bruce says that, you know, they've been working together to, uh, help both of them in their like kind of situations. Um, and it, it's sad as hell because like, when Barbara asks why Bruce didn't tell them, he just kind of leans down and says, uh, I was hoping I could fix it. So you wouldn't have to see him like this. And, and, you, and you immediately <laughs> get why he's been, uh, why this Batman we've been seeing is, is not, uh, okay. Oh yeah. And, and unhinged, you know, it's like, it's the first hint that like, okay, this isn't just like some, hack story about like what if batman was the crazy one you what know if batman was <laughs> a dick yeah <laughs> like it's like no he's a, he's a character and like you know and and you know he's going through some shit um and from here uh we get a page where napier talks to batman who is like silently listening outside of his cell window and uh he talks of how like he came to gotham with hopes and dreams from a farm but 
you know, failed to elicit emotions from the people in Gotham, like through his comedy. So he turned to terror. And when Batman came along, uh, his Joker just like naturally became obsessed with him and had to know him and be close to him. And like, even if Batman hated him, like that's okay because, you know, Joker says like love and hate are the same thing. And, uh, Batman like silently zips away as the Joker questions whether Batman has changed or if he ever really knew him at all. Um, we then cut to a scene where Gordon and the mayor are discussing like what to do with all of this. And the mayor just can't comprehend that people are defending the Joker and Gordon sort of plays devil's advocate for him. And, you know, but at the same time, I will point out Gordon doesn't take the blame <laughs> like in this yeah. yet. Um, uh, he's not there yet. Uh, the mayor hits him with some facts about how, like, if the GCPD condones vigilantism, then it's still corrupt under Gordon's watch, even though he hired Gordon or put him in position there to clean up the corruption, which Gordon seems to think that he's done, even though he's still using Batman, you know. Uh, this is obviously like a short contextual scene to kind of show us that there are faults at Gordon's feet, but it's also showing us how shitty the mayor is if he already knew about all of this going on. Like, but now he's only concerned because they're, they're getting caught, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Dr. Leslie Tompkins, a frequent Batman character makes a, a little appearance in this version of her. Um, uh, she, uh, you know, comes in to talk and gives them news about Napier's current health status. Um, she tells him that, uh, physically he's okay. Um, like he'll be fine. Uh, but his mind she's worried about and she kind of implies that, uh, you know, the, they, the pills seem to have cured him and like there's no more Joker. Um, and it's like legit, you know, and uh, Gordon immediately says like, you know, oh, he must be faking it. And uh, she comes back saying uh, you can't fake like, you know, the CAT scan or the IQ tests and he's scoring like beyond genius levels. Uh, she tells him he has been like in the library for three days or something like working on his legal case. He plans to file charges against the GCPD, Gotham and Batman. Uh, the mayor opts that they should just like stop him from being able to do that. Uh, to which Gordon is like, uh, no, like it's his constitutional rights, you know? And, uh, uh, Montoya calls Gordon, uh, telling him that the room, um, is in order when he's ready. Uh, he proceeds with her down the hall meeting with Bullock as they, uh, head to an interrogation room and uh, they actually are talking with Jack and uh, Gordon tries to play hard ass, but like is quickly blindsided by Jack as he just basically rebutes all of his claims and takes control of the conversation. Um, Jack talks about how uh, they have nothing concrete on him and how Batman easily caused more damage than he did. Um, and he, he says he wants trial, like no backroom deals, no, no, you know, nothing from, from the GCPD. He wants the people to see. And, uh, yeah, so Jack is basically going on the offense. Um, he names evidence uh, to press charges on the GCPD if they refuse to take Batman in. Uh, he outright exposes them, and they don't have a foreseeable way to fight his claims. Um, and uh, this is the end of the first issue with Jack uh, kind of valiantly claiming. Um, I'll just read the quote here, but um, uh, he says, uh, "I love Gotham, and it's time I paid her back for the debt that for the debt owed by the Joker. The city deserves better than you." better than the Joker and better than the Dark Knight. So I'm going to be her white knight. And it's like, woo, title of the book. <laughs> but, but, um, yeah, what do, uh, like, so this is basically just the premise issue. Um, it's a lot to take in and it definitely points you in certain directions that the story later reveals aren't exactly like correct. I mean, even with Jack's little proclamation at the end there, we already see him sort of playing a part. Um, 
he was just talking in his cell earlier about Gotham being boring and how it tore him down. But now he's like, I love Gotham and I want to fix yeah. it, you know? Um, yeah. I mean like, so, so what, what, what do we think at this point? Like, um, do you remember like after just reading the first issue? Cause I know you told me, um, when we were texting about it, I asked like, I was like, where are you at in the book? Cause yeah, obviously we didn't really talk details, but you were like, yeah, I have a lot to say. I've only like read a couple issues though so far or whatever. Um, so I wasn't sure if you were this, you this, were that hooked into it at first. <laughs> I like the concept a lot. Yeah. Um, like I said, I, I, I just have issues with, um, the, the concept of, um, the Joker being forgiven by the city seems really, I guess, I guess without knowing the context of how bad the Joker has been in this, yeah. which from flashbacks and stuff we see, he was really bad. Um, yeah, but it's just that he's, he's so quickly able to, to turn it around onto him. The time, um, the timeline in this book is a little funky because, at, at, you know, we saw a point where Batman is in a jail cell and Joker comes to visit him, escorted by the cops. And um, we're told that we're jumping back one year earlier. And the timeline's a little iffy. It doesn't tell us exactly where we are leading up to that point that's eventually a year later in the story. So, like, it, we're left to kind of wonder, like, how long did this trial take? How yeah. long was he out and, and like making a name for himself, building his reputation up? Like it's a, it's, that, it's kind of it, iffy. We also get confirmation that the Joker has been active for decades. Yeah. Because Batman, like and Gordon are saying that like they've been doing it. I think, do they say 20 years at some point? They like say, it's, um, they say at least decades, decades so, for yeah, sure. Yeah. So um, I thought, I thought there was something about 20 years at one point. I don't know. I and I know, I know it is a commentary on um, <clears throat> the the way that our society treats the mentally ill. Yeah, yeah. There's a um, lot of there's a lot. That's one of the big things in this book, and that is that is something that makes me um, want to walk back that complaint that I have or that like disconnect I have with the story. Um, but then again, it is because it's it's the Joker. Yeah, yeah. And I think we have like these preconceived notions of these characters and. Like I said, it's, it's hard to separate that once. I mean, these, these characters are iconic. Yeah. Everybody knows who they are, you know? Um, and but it's funny though, because I can immediately accept Batman <laughs> as a broken, <laughs> brutal. Well, because if Batman was a real thing, he'd be a fucking crazy guy. <laughs> like, you yeah. Know? Well, that's how I see the Joker too. If the Joker was a real, um, you know, fucking mass murdering terrorist, um, even if he was crazy, he he wouldn't be able to just go to trial and be like so easily redeemed be like i was crazy and now i'm not you know yeah. um and and so that's that's something um that has put a bit of a wall between me and this story yeah um i think murphy's just basically like you got to accept this so that i can tell this story you know yeah, like it's and like that's, in, that's something i keep in my head and yeah. it does make the, reading this again i like it more yeah um once you just kind of accept that, like I said, there's some semantics in here, but you know, as I just said before, like, um, you know, it, it, once you get past that, or if you can accept those, the story is worth it. I think, you know? Yeah. And yeah, overall, <clears throat> I mean, and in the first issue, I'm like, cool. You know, yeah. this is, this is a neat take. So next we see the Joker defending himself on the stand trial. Um, he gives this like rousing speech about the corrupt system and 
pleads for the jury to set him free so he can fight the elite and powerful. And he refers to them as gatekeepers, which is like a frequent thing in the book. Um, you know, so yeah. that they can reclaim the city they all love, you know, and his speech is, is pretty good. And it makes sense when he talks about, um, uh, you know, he would be put in, in Arkham and then he'd get back out inevitably and then he'd get put back and it just was a cycle. Yeah. Um, and the way he presents it all to the people is, um, I think it's well done, but yeah. like, like I said, I just, I don't think that it would quite go as far as he's just good to go. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a bit bit far fetched, but you know, I mean, for the story's sake, I think it it, it works. Um, yeah, there, we're then show the the talk show anchors again who tell us Jack won his freedom and simultaneously started like a media war against the Gotham gatekeepers. Uh, they're both skeptical on whether or not it's like a con on Jack's part or not. Um, this is also the first mention we get of the Backport neighborhood, which is like an underserviced part of Gotham um, that houses like a lot of like the protesters and stuff that were kind of in favor of Jack and, you know, all the minorities and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, that is feel. called derogatorily called Blackport. Oh God. Yeah. Later by this douchebag guy. Um, um. <laughs> yeah. And that this is the part of this when, when I think about how, you know, they, they do talk about how the war between Batman and the super criminals affects the people so much. That is, you know, main theme of the story. Mm -hmm. um, and then I do kind of think again, you know, like, yeah, maybe they would kind of finally side with the bad guy for once against Batman. It's it makes it a bit more plausible, that's for sure. Yeah. Um sorry to keep going on about No, that's <laughs> but that was a major a major That's the point of this podcast. It's okay. A major issue I had with this story the whole time was my disconnect with just that central conceit. Yeah. So it's a bit more believable once you factor in like um especially like backport as a neighborhood and whatnot. Yeah. Um yeah, we we then get a uh, sequence in which uh, Jack goes to an abandoned hideout, aptly named uh, Zoinko's Joke Shop, and uh, he opens the door. And none other than uh, Harley Quinn is there to greet him. Uh, you know, <laughs> Zoinks. <laughs> yeah, she's uh, ecstatic, ecstatic to see him, and immediately wants to put makeup on him and and basically bang. And uh, like, bro, and it's the super sexy suicide. I, I was going to say Joker we should Harley. mention this version of Harley is very much like in. Margot Robbie's like original Suicide Squad movie outfit. This is very deliberate and very important, yeah. <laughs> as we'll see in a moment. Um, Jack sits her down and begins to explain how sorry he is, and you know how he he's thought of this conversation for a long time, and uh, she she just like doesn't understand like his new mentality and isn't really taking in anything he says. Um, he's explaining how he took control of her, and because of his obsession with Batman, uh, but you know now that he's done with Batman. He says he wants to give her the version of him. She always wanted. And, and he proposes to her, like he gives her a ring and she just like immediately laughs at him and like looks confused and, uh, tells him that, you know, like, Oh, you, you might've fooled the courts, but you can't fool me. And, um, uh, he's like, no, I'm serious. And he calls her Puddin, which, uh, which triggers her. And she, uh, she hits him and, uh, she starts to like berate him, telling him, uh, stop all the bullshit. Basically she wants to get back to where they were. Um, she even tells him to stop with the pills and he calls her pudding again and she yells that she isn't his pudding and then gets kicked in the head as a voice behind her says, uh, no, you weren't. I was, and the attacker is revealed to be the OG Harley Quinn in the uh, cool, the cool gesture outfit, Harley Quinn, uh, in all her glory, you know, <laughs> at first I thought this was, um, like a hallucination. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, this is the issue I, I said earlier that like hooked me. And this Harley Quinn thing was like a big reason why. 
This is probably my favorite aspect of the story. Uh, yeah. Um, the particularly my favorite character in the whole story is Harley is Harley. Yeah. Yeah. yeah she, she's one of the best. Um, and, uh, that's coming from a guy who's not really a Harley Quinn fan too, by the way. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, she's got her hyenas by her side. Um, she picks up the ring and tells Jack that he, she's like, apology accepted or whatever. And uh, we get like an ensuing argument where um, the original Harley claims that, you know, she's taken him back and uh, she says she loves Jack while the newer Harley only loved the Joker. And uh, she takes Jack away um, along with her hyenas. Uh, and we uh, jump to Mr. Freeze, actually, who gets introduced in this issue um, as he looks upon uh, his instasis wife, Nora. Um He's in a lab with Bruce, Barbara, Dick, and uh, Alfred, and uh, they proceed with an experiment to reverse engineer the uh, freeze tech, basically, on some mice. Uh, the experiment seems to work, and Victor, uh, who's Mr. Freeze, um, attempts to immediately, like, use it on himself. And uh, it's kind of weird, like, this is pretty fast-paced, but um, he says a peculiar line after Bruce tells him uh, they have to wait and observe the mice. Victor is like having none of it. And he basically just says, um, uh, your help was, you know, most invaluable, Mr. Wayne. And, uh, um, you've given me a chance to save my wife and harness the technology pioneered by the third Reich. He particularly says pioneered by the third Reich, which immediately you're like, what? And like, and, uh, and, um, he says, I thank you and your father. Now please leave us alone. And it's like, so we get Nazi Batman mysteries and, and I'm instantly intrigued here. Uh, when freeze though, initiates the, uh, um, serum on himself uh he falls and like he rapidly ages uh because you know he was frozen like 50 years ago <laughs> and so like he should be like an 80 year old or 70 year old man or whatever and uh as a side effect they were trying to avoid and now they realize like they can't unthaw nora without you know any certainty that she would live so it's kind of like there know. was a weird quirk in the writing um, in these couple pages that bothered me for no real reason. Yeah. Is that Barbara says, Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, she does. And then she says it again, two pages, <laughs> two pages later, Barbara, like, and it's like never said again. I like Barbara in this story, but the way she talks is like, she's pretty clueless most of the time. <laughs> like she's just, they she, did write her a little too, like ditzy millennial. I think, I think it's like, she's trying to be optimistic and believe in the best of like people around her. But like, yeah, she comes off as just kind of really naive. Well, and compared. her, her writing is a little realist, a little more like she says, dude. Yeah. You know, she talks normally, more like a normal person, person. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. Um, but yeah, so, um, anyway, we jump back to, a um, original Harley's place and, uh, her and Jack talk about, um, basically just a lot of the baggage they have. And Jack never even realized that a new Harley replaced her one day. I love that. Yeah. Um, she gives like a whole like diagnosis speech reminding us all that she's a psychiatrist, you know, and uh, she brings up that the pills are helping him, but not curing him. But with the right support, he could be cured. And Jack talks about how uh, the Joker's still there, like in his mind, taunting him and wanting to lose. Um, he didn't ask Harley, like what happened to make her leave. And uh, this is where we get the first uh, story, like about, uh, you know, his Batman obsession and um, uh, the, the, the night she left, which was, um, she came home one day to find uh, Robin tied up in their basement and uh, the Joker was like torturing him. Uh, we also find out in this, that this, this Robin is Jason Todd. So, you know, notoriously the Robin um, who was killed by the Joker in the main continuity of uh, DC comics. Um, he was killed by the fans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Joker kidnapped and beat him half to death for what Harley assumed was uh, just Batman's attention. And, uh, 
she said that Robin wouldn't give up Batman's identity. And when Harley realized the Joker was going to kill Robin, uh, she actually like unloads on him, telling him that he's just jealous of Robin uh, because he's closer to Batman than he is. And um, she she has a, a really finite line here where she says that she hates the Joker for destroying the man she loves. And uh, this basically causes her to go. Um, she seeks out Batman for help, actually. But the time that they by the time they get back, Jason's gone and assumed dead. Uh, and Batman like almost beats the Joker to death. Um, but after being hospitalized, uh, the Joker never gave up, uh, what happened to Robin? Like he just never told anyone, you know? So, so it, we, we don't know. I mean, it's presumed that he's dead, but there's no body. So it's like kind of a mystery going forward in the book. But, um, uh, Batman, because of this did get the courts to go easy on Harley, um, for, you know, stopping him from killing her or killing the Joker basically that night. Um, I love this play on the death in the family story, which is kind of like a culturally well-known thing by now. Uh, Murphy does a great job kind of, uh, playing with the known formula here and making an old story into like a new mystery. And I also love how, uh, this flashback sequence has these like accented red colors to kind of differentiate it. It's a, it's very appropriate and brings out like the intensity of the scene, I think. Um, but yeah, it's like Jack actually asks Harley straight if the Joker killed Robin, but she's like, only, you know, and, and he can't remember. So like, uh, Jack goes on to say how they need to save Gotham and how he can't do it without her. So, uh, we cut to Bruce who's like, this is the part we were talking about with the, the rich asshole guys. So he, he's going to like this charity event as Bruce Wayne. And uh, he interacts with like a few like uppity types who are just total douchebags. And I do. You missed. Yeah. Uh, you did skip over one dialogue. What? You shouldn't have. Which one? Where he says you're ready to be good guys for a while. Oh, yeah. He does say um, that. I like yeah. that line a lot. That is a good line. Yeah. <laughs> Jack says that to Harley. But yeah. Uh, basically, though, well, well, uh, yeah. Well, Bruce is talking to these like rich douchebag people. Um, Jack and Harley are on the news revealing that they're building a new library in backport because the people there have welcomed them and like supported them. And, uh, they deserve the settlement that Jack got more than, you know, Jack needs it. So, and, uh, the reporter's like, what about Batman <laughs> or whatever? And Jack responds by, uh, starting on a little tirade about how Batman is like the pit bull of the 1%, <laughs> and, like all this, like, you know, just really degrading stuff. And, uh, uh, how he helps protect business as usual while the minority communities suffer all the damage and loss. And Bruce is like, he's like, turn the TV off or whatever. Shut <laughs> that bull crap He's like, off. shut it off. And, uh, and what he does, like the shitty party guest guy who who we talked about earlier, who makes like a, a, a racist comment about it being called Blackport instead of Backport. Um, re- he, he reveals how he's like, he's like, well, he is right though. Like, you know, I'm, uh, I've made millions off Batman's war on crime and real estate. And he like explains how, the city will like label neighborhoods like bat impact zones and which like drops the price of the property. And like this guy will buy property right after a zone is declared, then flip it after the taxpayers pay to like repair it from being damaged. And Bruce like just knocks the guy out straight up and and leaves. And this is the kind of (laughs) kind of a certain moment where we see that maybe this Batman isn't like outright crazy. You know, I mean, like maybe he is like morally there. Um, they do have one of the weirdest panels, though. Which in one? This scene. Um, it's when Batman says, "You're profiting from Batman's war on crime," 
And just the way that Batman's drawn is his eyes are like fucking crazy looking. <laughs> and yeah. his, his like mouth is like like nine inches wide. Just a frown. <laughs> it's a very pissed. it's a very strange yeah. uh <laughs> face <laughs> for a second. Yeah. I, I had put in this note where I said I'm uh it, this shows us that Batman may like his moral compass is still in the right place. He just may be a bit more of a dummy than we're used to <laughs> and more unhinged. Um, but yeah, so we cut to like this great scene where Jack and Harley have called a meeting of the villains. And uh, let's talk character designs real quick I wanna, before we really get into what happens. <laughs> I want to cut in real quick. Yes. This is my shit is when oh his his big old spreads of the of the villains and stuff like no particularly harley's design oh yeah with yeah. with the like fringy hair the the like dark red lipstick and those red circle glasses yeah yeah she looks so fucking cool yeah she does <laughs> She's and yeah and i love i love the way bane looks in this too oh dude yeah i love bane's design like a killer croc too um uh it, like who face looks awesome he does yeah he looks fucking <laughs> like he got exploded yeah like he looks he looks fucked up it's it's so cool and like yeah i i don't know i i love these designs like they're they they're just like what we were talking about before where it's it's like a just perfect amalgams of so many different versions mm -hmm. but it all fits in like this world perfectly it's just so cool and like anyway so <laughs> so jack basically jack called this meeting to basically say that they should all take on batman and the gcpd together like team up and they're all like we don't work together you know <laughs> or whatever and uh and now yeah <laughs> yeah no <laughs> and uh basically uh jack is like yeah i knew that and um it's then revealed that like they're all like having drinks and the drinks that they all have contain pieces of clay face. And this is kind of gross, actually. But, like, so all the drinks have a piece of clay face in them who is being controlled by the Mad Hatter's mind control technology, who has had his technology stolen by Jack and Harley, um, giving them effectively an instant supervillain army. Uh, this might be that might be the most comic thing I've ever said on this show. This this scene did um, <laughs> like, confuse me uh, that it was they're having like a flashback within like the same uh spread as current day yeah like they show and, them getting clay face like and my, my brain wasn't separating oh harley wasn't in her jester outfit at the yeah. at the meeting and she's in it with Clayface. and i was like this, how is this all happening this, how did they not all of them see Clayface right there yeah with the cards in them exactly but then i was like oh i'm just dumb yeah no i mean like well it, i mean like I think that it's it's well paced um, to show us what happened, um, but yeah, it's a, it can be a bit confusing on like first read where you're just like, wait, what? Like, because because you don't realize what exactly he's doing at first. Like, why are they all their eyes like start going green and shit? And it's like, what? And then, uh, but yeah, so I just love that it's like this huge convoluted plan where there's like this rule. Like Murphy could have easily just been like, yeah, like we we mind controlled you all, but he's like, no, like that's too many people to control. Like it's, he's thinking about the logistics of this and he's like, that's too many people to control at once. Like, but he can control Clayface, who can get inside of all of them <laughs> and control. Like, it's just such, <laughs> that's the most comic booky like plan ever. And I, I love it. I do want to ask, I don't recognize the, the little girl. Oh, um, uh, the doll. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, there's, there's some, there's some, there's some obscure polls here. Um, they also they utilize rocket later. That's how I was going to ask you. I've never heard of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a that's a fun one. I mean, in all intents, I mean, like rocket is a person who rides on a rocket. 
and does crimes. Cool. Yeah. But, but yeah. So like, I didn't know if the little girl was like supposed to be Alice or something, but now I know it's a doll. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's like, but, um, so, uh, we get this, um, short scene, uh, going on, um, uh, where the new Harley who dons like this new costume and will henceforth be known as a Neo Joker. That's what I'm going to refer to her as. Um, she talked to herself about how the pills are ruining like Joker and how, you know, the real Harley is holding him back. Uh, but she's going to show them that the Joker is more than just a man. He's a riot. Dude, her design is so fucking awesome. I, that was my next question. My, my note was, what do you think of this character's designs? Um, uh, like, it, I love, I, the, I like the design a lot. I love the asymmetrical, um, like tear yeah. makeup. I love like the thing. One of the things Sean Murphy does that I like a lot is he draws like very heavy eyelids. Yeah. Um, and lots of like shading, um, around the eye socket and it just makes characters look very moody and dark. Yeah. Um, and she's definitely a moody and dark character. What and, do we, what do we think about this character in general so far though? Like the motives, like just general thoughts. In her, I mean, cause she's basically kind she, of the, the go-to like super villain in this book. Um, besides the I Joker like, persona itself. I like this character. Yeah, I um, do too. I like that she is, um, she's, she's the antithesis antithesis to Jack. Yeah. Where she wants to keep the crazy going. Cause she only found value in herself through that. Yeah. Which we'll, we'll find out more about later. But, um, and I think, I think it's really fascinating. Yeah. I think this is a really brilliantly done character. And also as she, you see throughout the story, she's naive. Yeah. And, and she could have been like just a, a hack two bit joke. Like, you know, from, you know, revealing that like, hey, you guys know that new Harley design that y'all hate? <laughs> like, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, like, well, she's dumb and we're bringing back the real one. You know, like it could have ended at that. But this is a, a well-rounded, like actual character and, and who one, has an important part to play in the story. Yeah. One little thing I want to say about her design that I really like for whatever reason is that she has um, her pants are flared yeah. a little bit. And it's just, it's, it's oddly refreshing to see when almost every superhero and supervillain outfit is, it's form fitting yeah. through the feet. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, her having like cuffs. Yeah. I'm just like, Hey, that's neat. She's more like a person. Cause she is just like a normal person. <laughs> but, but yeah, like, so, um, we cut to the city here and, uh, villains are running amok. They're going crazy. They're going crazy. A Batman, Nightwing, and Barbara all show up to help. And uh, Barbara mentions how they finally figured out how if they work together, that the Bat family doesn't stand a chance. Wow. <laughs> Batman deduces that uh, they need to separate uh, the villains if they want to have like any chance of you know winning at all. So they split off from the main area and begin to head towards Backport. Um, Gordon's like overhead in a chopper and he's like coordinating like, you know, the police effort. And uh, he tells the pilot to stay on Batman in case he needs her help. And Bullock's like, our people are here. Like, what, what are you doing? Like Batman can take care of himself, you know, <laughs> like and uh, um, but Gordon rebutes that by saying like, well, we can't win without Batman. You know, like he's so over reliant on Batman at this point, like and, and that's just the norm. Uh, so they follow him. Um, they arrive at the library, which is still in con- under construction. Um and they're they're followed by uh, I think it's just Killer Croc and Bane, are the two who are with him there. Yeah. Uh, Nightwing argues that he's he's like he's like what are you doing? Like Backport needs this like you know <laughs> library and stuff, and um, uh, but as expected by Batman's planning, like when they reach the library, Croc and Bane actually stop, and Batman's like the Joker's obviously behind this, and he would never let them destroy like you know his his little 
pet project here, the, the, the library. But then they do. They like look at each other and then they start knocking it down. And uh, like Batman gets battered and bloody from everything collapsing. Uh, Which, he, it's really stupid. He runs right into it. Yeah. Yeah, he does. I was like, what are you doing? Yeah. Well, you know, he's not thinking right. And like, <laughs> so Batman gets battered and bloody from like everything collapsing. And uh, he gets in the Batmobile and uh, he engages autopilot to get him back to Wayne Tech so he can uh, go to the med- medical facility. Um, Gordon lands and Bullock is like, understandably upset and he's like he's like what are we doing you know fights back there and remember when we were cops and all that shit (laughs) yeah and and Batgirl even uh, says like you know she's like she's like what is happening to us and um we jump back to Harley and Jack who are going through the papers in like this uh city law office like like kind of in like the impact zone where all the villains were attacking and uh they discuss how like the plan worked and Jack says he found Gotham's biggest secret that undermines everything as he pulls like a file out um now we get one of my favorite scenes. No dialogue. Batman arrives at the medical facility. Same one Alfred is at. Goes to the table to work on himself. Looks at Alfred. Grasps, like, grabs his hand. And then he collapses. And Alfred's eyes, like, open. And he sits up and sees Bruce lying bloody on the ground. This That made me pretty emotional. Yeah. And, like, uh, so it, it, we actually cut back to Jack and Harley, though, right after that. Um, and they're holding the press conference. Jack blows the whistle on what he found out. Um Basically, it's a there's a hidden scheme for the wealthy elite in Gotham called the Batman Devastation Fund. Uh, the short of it is basically the mayor's old law firm, like the mayor we saw earlier. Uh, they they slipped this into like a natural disaster relief fund, and uh, they channeled the funds through whatever racket like they indulge in and make the taxpayers foot the bill. Basically, so he then frames Batman for knowing of this like deceitful fund, and that's why he always like. He led the battle into backport to protect the rich and their, you know, financial interests. And it, everything's just getting worse, basically, uh, for Batman's reputation here. This was quite a that's that's a good um, the way that this story uses like politics. Yeah. Um, the the Batman devastation fund is is uh, really well done. Yeah, I think I think the political angles in this book are are, are all pretty well done. Like it's all believable that like because you feel the weight of like that pressure and those things happening like that. And you're like, Jesus Christ, like things are just fucking fucked up. The more I know I've been like, a little, little harsh on it, but the more that, um, I'm, I'm revisiting these, these aspects and hearing you describe it and thinking more about it. Yeah. And, and like I said, and more kind of trying to let myself accept it. Yeah. I am liking a lot, a lot parts of this. Yeah. Yeah. Than- no, I, I, I definitely agree here. Like, um, so, uh, the next sequence continues with Bruce waking up, but he's in the medical bed that Alfred was in and he's fully hooked up to the support systems and seems like he's in good shape. Now um, he looks over and he sees Alfred in the waiting chair, lifeless with a note on the side table addressed to Bruce. Um, yeah. This gets me every time, man. Every time Sad. I've read this, I'm always like, and we don't even get to know Alfred in this story, but God, like just, it just hits hard. Like, that little panel of his face realizing what Alfred did too. Mm-hmm. It's like so heartbreaking, man. Like I, shit gets me. There's a lot of moments in this story that like I, I'm, I'm damn well, well near tears. Cause you a cry baby. I am. I'm a big cry baby. I'm Batman, Batman baby boy. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so this is this is followed by like a, it's like kind of like a time sped uh, sequence of like we see the funeral scene and um, we get a conversation between Dick and Barbara. Dick talks about how 
it was always Alfred who like, you know, knew how to show he cared and he laments about a time that he like ran away. But Alfred was the one who found him and promised to be there for him, you know, when Bruce like, you know, got out of line or something. And uh, we do get an interesting moment where Barbara actually sees the tombstone for Jason and asks who it is. Yeah, she doesn't know. (laughs) And like and it's like, oh, man, this is like this Batman's really fucking secretive and untrusting. Like, you know, it's like Nightwing tells her who he was. And we actually get the reveal that Jason in this universe was the first Robin, not Dick, like how it is in normal continuity, you know, and um, I didn't even catch that. Yeah. Swapped around. Yeah. And uh, and and supposedly, you know, he was killed by the Joker and the body was never recovered. Uh, Their conversation goes on to say that uh, they need to be there to stop Bruce basically, because now that Alfred's gone, nothing's there to protect Gotham from Batman. Um, they think he's just going to be more unhinged, you know, and, um, uh, jumping back with Jack and Harley, uh, we see them walking around backport and, uh, they get into like this scuffle, but it's, uh, stopped by a man named Duke Thomas. Uh, Duke is former Navy SEAL in this story who tries to, uh, he tried to join the GCPD when he left and, um, ended up getting booted out when he reported the corruption. Is this a uh, Batman character? Yes. So uh, okay. Duke Thomas was a uh, kind of a Robin at the end of the Scott Snyder, Greg Pulo run uh, from the new 52. Um, he's typically like a younger guy and uh, he ends up becoming his own character called the signal. He's like part of the bat family. You know, um, uh, it was, it was speculated for a long time. They're like, Oh, Duke is going to be, you know, he's, he's helping out Batman and stuff. And he's kind of going to be Scott Snyder's new Robin. But he ended up being like a, a different character, you know, but and now nobody knows what to do with him. But um, in this story, he's like older and uh, an ex-Navy SEAL who's taking care of backport. And, um, you know, he uh, he kind of looks after the neighborhood. He runs a local youth group that houses like ex-military and special out volunteers. And uh, he even organizes things with like the local gangs, like to kind of, you know, better their community in a way, um, even though he does say he turns a blind eye for a lot of stuff. Um, uh, in other words, like. He's a local influence and leader in Backport and Jack wants his help. So we cut to Gordon who's like finishing up a press conference about the attacks and he enters the stairwell to find Batman waiting there for him. Uh, they walk in, they talk about suspecting Jack, but something like just isn't connecting for them. They, they can't really figure it out what's going on. Um, there's a really good, um, line where, uh, Gordon says, um, I'm not questioning your methods as a cop. But as a taxpayer, yeah, of, and it's like, yeah, because they they mentioned the Batman Devastation Fund and like, um, and there, there's some obvious tension between them at this point. But it's like, it's like, dude, you are fine with a man in a mask flying around the city, beating the shit out of people, yeah. But when it starts costing the costing the city money, then it's not okay. Well, I think it's just that Gordon is like, he thinks like Batman's just some guy who I use, and like to help me with this. And we have this understanding and this partnership, but now it's going into like legislation and stuff. There's all this like hidden things. And like, you know, it's way deeper than I think Gordon for some reason ever expected. And like, I guess you could kind of see that because he's been so focused over the years of like ending corruption in the police department that he's just hyper-focused on what's going on only around him, I guess, even though he should be, questioning more things <laughs> i mean yeah it, i think that's know. kind of an indictment of of gordon's character in this yeah. one that just that little line that he's he's not he's not worried about the methods at this point yeah and i think that we do see him grow oh, he he, he like, grows and changes yeah but it but it takes something as extreme as this shit for him to do it um 
but yeah, so they, they walk off to the holding cells to find like all the captured like villain gang members. And they're just kind of like mindlessly stay standing there, not talking. Uh, we cut to Neo Joker who has actually gone to the uh, holding location of the controlled villains. And uh, she finds a, a drooling clay face and the Mad Hatter um, with his mind control headband on, uh, but he's just like they're dormant and she removes it, giving him his functions back. Hatter and Neo Joker talk and decide to basically team up in an attempt to override Joker's control of the villains, like for their own gang. Uh, Neo Joker, like she, <laughs> it's kind of funny. She, she takes Clayface's brain. That panel, I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she takes the brain as like a safeguard to like maintain control and discovers the room where the villains are all like kind of just there, like laying dormant, like weird zombies. And uh, now uh, we were at a conversation in which uh, the mayor is attempting to force Gordon to arrest Jack. And uh, Gordon says that Napier's right. Like, the GCPD has bent the rules for too long, and he won't arrest him without a real reason. And the mayor's just telling him basically to make shit up. And, like, uh, he has a great line where uh, he tells the mayor that they need to think about how to win back the thousands of Gothamites who are embracing Jack now. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, Gordon is starting to see it. And, I mean, he is fundamentally a good guy. He's not, like, you know... A corrupt meanie <laughs> but uh we then continue um uh, on to a rally in which duke is giving like this rousing speech that supports uh jack for uh he's who's now running for councilman um jack gives a speech and it leads to them like starting this like peaceful march that they're going to do on city hall and uh they're blocked by the police uh who give uh particularly bullock gives duke a hard time about like permits and uh it, it, like bullock and duke kind of get into it a bit and then Batman like leaps in out of nowhere, takes both Duke and Jack down, even though Jack wasn't doing anything uh, in an attempt to, as he says, he's like, he's I'm trying to deescalate the situation or whatever, uh, which obviously doesn't work. Um, this this scene actually bothered me. Yeah. No, it's another like uncomforting scene, you know, not even that. I mean, I the what happens in it is not good. Yeah. Um, but it's it's so fast. Yeah, it is. I mean. Like I got like kind of whiplash reading these two pages. Yeah. There are, there are portions of the story where it's like Murphy's like clearly just like, we got to go. Yeah. This like, story, <laughs> it's, it's like, kind of echoing what Brett said on his episode where he, he talked about how one of the pitfalls of this type of, of storytelling medium is that you do have to move quick. Not always, but I mean, in Murphy's case with this, it's like, you so rarely get an opportunity like this to do a mini. And as we even said before, this was originally supposed to be seven issues. Yeah. I shudder to think <laughs> of what would have <laughs> so, so happened. I think at this point he might've still been like thinking that it was seven, you know, or already had this pa these pages done and whatnot. And just yeah. been, cause the narrative does slow down in the last couple issues and, and more focuses on things. The, 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 the front half of this story, the issue I do have is that it's way too fast. That's why it's taking us an hour and a half to fucking get through it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it's gonna, I'm like, this is, we're pretty close to where it's going to start. It's going to start flying a bit more though. Um, but yeah, so basically like from this situation, Jack like pleads to the crowd to just kind of let it go. And he's like, he's like, I'll go with my own free will. It's okay. It's interesting like, you know, what a mistake Batman makes here. Yeah. And like, he says to remember that he, he says like basically to like the cameras and the people, like he's like, remember this was a peaceful march until Batman showed up, yeah. which is very important, you know? And, and then he offers like, as they're putting him in the car, he's like, he's like, let's talk commissioner, like to Gordon, like, and, uh, the march goes on, actually does go on peacefully 
um, with the only bad press aimed at Batman in the GCPD, uh, Gordon and Jack have a meeting in which Jack proposes to repurpose the Batman devastation fund after he's elected. Um, and he wants to give it to the police actually, essentially to be more effective. Um, he wants to form a Gotham terror oppression unit, he calls it, or GTO for short. Um, the idea is to like create a squad of super cops with the ideas like, you know, like the ut- using the utilities of Batman in mind, but uh, trained properly. He and- makes he makes good points. Why has Batman never shared his? Mm-hmm. And and part of it is because Batman wants to be in control. Yeah, he doesn't trust anyone else. He thinks he's the only one who can do it. But it is like that is prolonging the problem. Yeah, and a big point of contention too is the fact that like he dis- he distinctly says like um that distinctly or er, fuck. <laughs> 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 he, he he's like he's like this will be like super cops but properly trained and completely on the books yeah like you know um uh, so he sells it as a way of like adding accountability to the gcpd and increasing their effectiveness he even proposes that uh he's like batgirl will join and nightwing would follow after she does uh it's seen as a good plan by like bullock and montoya and uh you know, it, it further puts doubts in Gordon's head about Batman, like, you know, kind of distancing them more. Um, we get this sequence where Jack and Harley go out for the night and they bring up like his uh, previous proposal to her. Well, you when he just oh, just so hot, sexy, oh, yeah, they bang this um, super hot. You almost <laughs> see a whole booby whole boob. And <laughs> but um, basically it just ends in them getting formally engaged. Uh, I liked it because Harley is the one who proposes. Uh, yeah, that's kind of I, I like that, too. Yeah. Um, but then uh, at the police headquarters, Neo Joker attacks with the villain army and uh, they break in, had her like downloads all their fi- all the police files. And um, the villains like totally wreck the place. Uh, Bane even throws a bat signal at Gordon <laughs> and like launches him off the roof. But luckily, Batman saves him. But they land like in the alley below and the two have like this confrontation of words in which jim finally just like unloads on batman and he says he's done defending him uh he doesn't even know who he is that if he really wanted to help you know he'd do what napier said and actually provide the police with better means to do their jobs uh it ends with gordon walking away disappearing on batman for once you know because the classic like batman disappearing on gordon thing um Um, this this scene is very it's it's on the nose with the symbolism. Uh, yeah. But it's really effective. Yeah. I mean, a powerful dialogue used to illustrate these points, even if it um, is kind of like, you know. Well, I mean, symbolically, it's on the nose because the bat sim- symbol is thrown at Gordon and it's broken. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah. But it also has uh, one of my favorite drawings of Batman mm-hmm. in the whole book is in the scene where Gordon says, let me save you the trouble. And it's just. It's just Batman standing there and his cape is sort of twisted up a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is about it. It's just a really cool. There's a few like images like that just really stick out to me, especially with Batman. Um, I, I don't even think we talked about Batman's design a little bit. I fucking love his. This is like that design is so cool. And like one I of lo- the best. I love his armor. I love the fact that he has a little collar. That's what I was going to bring cape. up. That looks fucking awesome. The collar is such a nice touch. It's cool. Um, And and I was texting you about it that chaps were the right choice yeah yeah they just look cool they do yeah yeah this is he looks rad this is one of my favorite designs part of the reason i bought the statue <laughs> <laughs> one of the best designs for batman yeah he looks rad but yeah I, I put that you know even at this point like from this scene where you can clearly see that batman is being set up you still feel for gordon and know that 
he's right, you know? I mean, like... <laughs> yeah, at this like, point, like, I'm not really feeling bad for Batman. Yeah, I mean, like, I think I'm it's like, just, like, instinctively me. you want to root for him, but, like, you're like, fuck. Like, dude, like Gordon's right, fault. dude. Like, I mean, yeah. So, anyway, uh, back at uh, Jack and Harley's place while this is all going on, Jack tries to regain control of the villains, like, with his uh, hat or headband, but it's not working because, as they explained kind of earlier, like, uh, um, you know, the uh, Hatter's like, oh, like, we can override it if we're closer to them than he is. And it's like a proximity thing, but, um, Harley like is like, it's, it's her, the other Harley, like, you know, Neo Joker and, uh, like no, and, and she knows that the Neo Joker's hijacking their plans. And, um, uh, at that point, the Neo Joker actually shows up to their place with the villains in tow and she wants Joker back. But Jack tells her, you know, the truth, like he, he's like, uh, uh, he doesn't know, he didn't know that like she wasn't the real Harley, uh, you know, Neo Joker basically makes com- uh, the commitment to draw the Joker out by taking over the city on her own. She knows his massive ego can't take that and she'll have her Joker back, basically. So that's kind of the plan moving forward. Uh, back at the GCPD, Gordon and Jack actually pitch the GTO to Batgirl and Nightwing. And uh, the big reveal is that they have, uh, you know, um, they have this uh, big flurry of uh, souped up cars. And like, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of reminiscent of Batmobiles. But they're like, they're like, yeah, we're going to use these cars and like, you know, take people down and all this stuff. And uh, uh, I love the little bat shaped keys. Yeah, yeah, those are funny. <laughs> they come they come back later, too. But um, uh, we get a good, uh, a cool conversation between uh, Hatter and Neo Joker at this point. And uh, this is where we learn her origin. Uh, we find out her name is uh, Marianne Drews. And uh, she used to work at this bank. And uh, she was like a depressed cutter who encountered the Joker one day. Um, when he robbed her bank and, uh, he tasked her with like helping him, like, you know, like carrying the bags and stuff. And like halfway through, he just like started calling her Harley and she just sort of like went with it. And, uh, it's an interesting origin because even though it's all Joker persona, he's actually like oddly kind to her. It's really sad. It's very sad. Yeah. It's really dark. And, and, uh, I think she even says like, when they're back at like the hideout or whatever, like, and she's just talking about it. She's like, she, she expected him to hurt her or whatever, but like, he just like bandaged her cuts. Yeah. And, and she she's was sick. like, I know it was Stockholm syndrome, but I felt happy. Yeah. And she says that she was never kept a prisoner either. Like, she's like, she's like, I could have left any time I wanted, but I didn't want to. Is, like, is Mary Andrews a completely original character? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, she is, um, for, for this story. Um, I think her name might be a reference, but like, uh, but the, but her, the, this character, like, yeah, brand new at least. Um, but yeah, so this conversation scene like ends with Hatter, like he, he ends up breaking into the GCPD files that they, they, uh, stole and, uh, he pulls the file on Mr. Freeze in which they see that the, um, Freeze's father was an old SS officer and, uh, they skim details about like a pardon, a lab, underground tunnels, but are, uh, mainly shocked to find a picture wherein uh, Mr. Freeze's dad is shaking hands with none other than Thomas and Martha Wayne. Uh, readers, fans, you might recognize Thomas Wayne as Batman in Flashpoint. You know that. I do. Did you read that on Watch Mojo? <laughs> <laughs> I looked at Screen Rant top 10 different versions top of Batman. Top 10 different versions of Batman that you won't believe. <laughs> And in parentheses, it'll be like, one of them's not even Batman. You're like, whoa, I gotta yeah. click that. Well, damn. 
got to skim through all these pages, get all that ad revenue. <laughs> but yeah, like, I don't know. On this, it's just like, dun, dun, dun. Are the Waynes Nazis? <laughs> I know. I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> it's just like this mystery unfold. This this Nazi mystery unfolding in the background. <laughs> like, it sounds like everything we're describing, it sounds like it would be too much. But it really like. It is a little, it, in my opinion. I don't know. It's like, it all kind of works and it all converges in like a good way. This whole stuff with the Waynes and whatnot too comes into big play in the next one, the sequel. Okay. Yeah. Like it's, it's a... It, Half the, I feel like half that story is about like the history of the Waynes in Gotham. Like, but yeah, um, we didn't get like this uh, training sequence in which Jack has uh, asked Harley to train him like how to fight. And uh, he talks about how he needs to beat Batman in every way, even physically. And uh, I love that there's this moment where they're like fighting and he like violently yells at her for hitting his face because he was like, no, not the face or whatever. And he like freaks out and he has like this really violent yell. And, uh, she basically just tells him to stop being a baby. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of mirrored later in like a later issue. I'll point it out when we get to it um, in a very important scene with the Neo Joker. Um, so just keep that in the back of your head. Um, I do. I do have an issue. Yeah. Um, I thought it was kind of a dumb cop out that the pills are also steroids. Oh, God. Yeah. That whole thing. I was just like, oh, God. Okay. I, was, I was like, he's got to he's got to have a way for. I mean, uh, it, for he, him to be able to beat Batman. Yeah, I, so I feel like he could have just. Steroids. I feel like he could have just said like because in like main continuity, like the Joker can fight. Mm-hmm. Like so, it's like, why wasn't he just like, I just need to get better at fighting. Yeah, like you know, like like it doesn't have to be a steroid or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> like, I thought that was a really lame. Uh, yeah, hand wave. Yeah, you're just like, eh, whatever. I, I don't, I don't need that. He could just be wanting to get better at fighting. You know, like I mean, whatever, also the but. pills are starting to make uh, Joker cough up blood. Oh yeah, he does which cut. Is, this is the first time we see that. Yeah, excuse me, Jack. Jack. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's Jack. The pills are um, having a negative effect as well. Yeah, you know what you know, and I see it. I'm like, oh, well, that's not good. Yeah, not good. Yeah. So Nightwing and Batgirl meet up with Batman as he like investigates the villain hideout. Um, he finds traces of Clayface, and uh, they start to. He starts to kind of put it together, but not before the two bring up the GTO, which Batman like wants no part of. You know, and uh, Nightwing and Batgirl argue. And uh, Barbara breaks them up. Or, Night, Nightwing and Batman argue, excuse me. Um, Batgirl breaks them up. Batgirl flips Batman and it's awesome. Yeah, she flips him. And uh, she yells at both of them for like being wrong, telling Dick he doesn't get to talk to Bruce like that because Bruce gave him everything. And Bruce needs to think carefully about like his next move because, you know, Gotham and everybody's losing patience with him, basically. And Batman swings away in like a really cool page size panel that I enjoy. His face is like super grumpy. <laughs> he looks so pissed off. Yeah. It's really funny. <laughs> but um, like uh, Batman ends up going to talk to Harley after this. Uh, he comes at her pretty strong, implying he's like, I know Jack's behind all this and that like she could help him if she gives him up. And like Harley obviously refuses, like, you know, having the high ground in this situation, basically. Um, and she says that Jack isn't the threat that Batman thinks he is. And Batman reveals that, you know, all these years he like went easy on her because he wanted her close to the Joker, like on purpose. He feels like, uh, you know, she reined him in and made him more sane and kept him from being as bad as like they both know he wanted to be. Um, Harley just kind of pleads with him. Like, you know, basically just ignores his proposal and is like, you know, deep down, I know you're a good guy, but that doesn't mean that you know what's best for the city. And she's like, stop doing what you're doing before it's too late. 
you know, stop acting the way you're acting. And this makes Batman like he has a <laughs> he has a move got to uh, crazy pills moment. Mm-hmm. He's just like he's just like just like nobody realized this is the Joker. <laughs> like you know, he's like kind of having the reaction that we all are, knowing that he's like a saint, like regular Batman. You know, like he's I just did. Like, I did feel a little like vindicated yeah. at this point when Batman says he's the like he's basically he's a fucking Joker. Yeah, like, and I was like, that's what I've been saying this whole time. Exactly. Yeah, and 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 Harley points out that him and Jack want the same thing, but they can't get it unless if they work together you know like they they can't do this like opposing each other like i really love um the like i said harley's my favorite character in the story yeah and i really love the this conversation and it shows the deep respect they have for each other yeah but also she is the deep disconnect Mm -hmm. that they have yeah um and it's just it's it's a really interesting complex relationship yeah she has i think i mentioned it up top of you know the two sequels um so it's batman uh curse of the white knight and then the third installment is actually just called batman white knight presents harley quinn and it's all a story about her and it's really great is it is it set after yeah they're all they're all sequential like i mean like they like there's not been like a you know flashback or anything like that like um in in these stories as of now and the new one seems like it's actually jumping forward quite a bit uh, yeah, kind of looking at the art, it looks like it might be a mix yeah. of like chronolot like following and then jumping forward. I think the solicit said something about like 10 years or something like that after after the Harley Quinn one, which take is like a couple years after this one, <laughs> I right. think. Um but uh but yeah, so uh yeah, so basically this causes a Batman like leaps away and uh Jack is revealed to have been watching in the shadows the entire the entire time. Uh, they were having that conversation. Uh, Harley tells him that like she meant what she said, that if only they both weren't so stubborn, they'd realize how similar they've become. And uh, here we cut to Neo Joker and Hatter and they're staking out Wayne Manor. This is one of my favorite scenes in the book because it's just really funny. Um, they, uh, yeah, we're, yeah. <laughs> they, they, so they suspect that there's information they could find to elaborate on the GCPD files, like about the Waynes, like, you know, and Nazis and all that stuff. So uh, they see the security like around Wayne Manor because obviously it's Batman, he's paranoid and, and they're like, Oh, there must be something valuable inside, you know? And, uh, they use poison Ivy to just like destroy the camera security alarms, like everything pretty much like instantly. And, uh, uh just got to mention here real quick. Um, She's been in the book before, like we saw her before as like one of the controlled villains, but Poison Ivy is super cool in this book, even though she's not like her own character in it. Um, she's like lifting cars and like, yeah, she's solving, like super strong. solving dilemmas like instantly. Yeah. And like, it's just like, like Bane will like smash a truck and she just like pins up like a whole army or something. Like yeah. it's, it's, yeah, Poison Ivy's cool. And, uh, <laughs> in this book, um, but yeah, so they, they start to search the house unaware that like the hidden bat cave alarms were triggered and um, they look around and they find this uh, uh, hidden room, like using poison Ivy's powers. And um, uh, they, they find these hidden tunnel maps that link to the freeze family under Gotham. Uh, but before they can get any further, Bruce walks in with a uh, bathrobe and he just plays the scared homeowner. It's actually pretty funny because he yells out. Uh, I think he specifically says, um, Oh my Lord, you hooligans get off my property. Yeah. And like Neo Joker even says, uh, hooligans that was like a bad impression of a rich guy <laughs> there's and, also and they like run away because they're like they're like oh he must have called the cops you know or whatever there's a cool like, shot of him uh looking and his shadow of his face is 
like he's wearing the cowl. Yeah. Yeah. He's not. He does a lot of stuff like that. It's really cool. Yeah. Like, um, so yeah, they assume we call the cops and like, uh, they, they like, you know, book it. And, um, as they escape, like Dick shows up in his GTO car, like with Bullock and, um, this like huge chase begins and, uh, the GTO, go ahead. I want to, the, the panel where Nightwing is like, Bruce, you leave this to us. Yeah. Um, and then they drive away and it turns around and Bruce opens his robe and he has the Batman, he has the bat suit on, but when he clearly didn't, he clearly didn't. That really bothers me. Holographic shit, bro. It's, it's like holographic armor. No, I'm going to ask Sean Murphy. Hey, was this holographic armor? And he'll be like, uh, fuck yeah. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Um, This actually leads to, uh, my, the, the thing I liked the least in this entire book. What is that? The Power Rangers uh, GTO spread where it's it's all five of them. That one right there. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, like all okay, yeah. The, it's like the, Power the shot of like all of them in their in their like in their like cars, you know, yeah. like driving. Yeah, like that Power is very Rangers Power Rangers. When they're in the Megazord. And I was like, <laughs> oh that shot is used so much in the Power Rangers comics. It's hilarious. I really did not. <laughs> I was like, I don't like this. Oh, <laughs> so like a huge chase begins and uh, the GTO is out in full effect and surprise, surprise. They're organized and start taking down the villains, and they're actually pretty effective. Um, it's only when Batman shows up, driving recklessly after the Neo Joker, that things go bad. He he actually almost apprehends her, and like he grabs like for her bag, like while they're like flying through the air, and um, uh, he sees Clayface's brain, and like yeah, he's like, and he's like, oh, what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> like, and then he loses her, but um, he does happen to get out of her bag uh, the the photo of his parents with uh, Freeze's like you know, Nazi father. <laughs> and, uh, because of Batman's recklessness in the situation, like this, uh, a bridge collapses and like the main villains escaped yet again. And Gordon puts out an APB on Batman, classifying him as a super criminal now. Like he's had enough of his shit. And, uh, back at the lab, like this bloodied up, you know, bruised Batman approaches freeze and tells him to talk. And, uh, freeze also reveals, he knows, um, he's Bruce in this like short little scene. And it's like, no duh. I mean, like, I feel, working that, I, feel, I feel everybody in this universe should know by now, <laughs> but, but, but yeah, they were also working together for a long time. And like, uh, but, um, we get a few pages and we find out that's not even the reason he actually knows. See, I didn't Later even take on. it as a reveal. I just assumed that he knew because I, I guess were, you could have. Yeah. Because they were working together. True. Yeah. But, but later we find out it, that's not the case, but, um, uh, uh, we get a few pages showcasing the hidden tunnels from before with a speech from Neo Joker about her experiences, like while she was with the Joker. And um, it's an interesting mirror to <clears throat> Harley's stories. Um, seeing has, you know, they each favor the opposite parts of him. Like this just further illustrates that kind of. And uh, she ends by saying uh, she knows the Joker is still in Jack. Uh, his methods are different, but his plan is still the same. And she's not really wrong. I mean, at this point, you, you, that does put doubt in our heads about like who's really in control, like with Jack, you know, and like the pills, especially since we've seen that he's like coughing like up blood and shit like that. Um, but yeah, she, she eventually, uh, says that he will try to give control to Batman again, as that's like his nature. Like he wants the game to go on forever. And, uh, but this time there won't be anything to give. And the big reveal is that like tucked away in these tunnels is this giant version of the freeze cannon. It's like a big telescope. Very bad. Very Batman and Robins. I did think it was pretty silly. That <laughs> oh there's yeah. Like a giant freeze gun under there. The giant laser cannon. Yes. And like, there's these tunnels. No one's ever found them. And I'm like, come on. <laughs> Hell yeah. Secrets. <laughs> no, <laughs> but so Gordon tries to force Batgirl and Nightwing to tell him who Batman is. And they both refuse. Nightwing even says, though, he's like, 
I'll help you bring him in, but like his identity stays off record. And Barbara can't believe that they are like prioritizing arresting Batman at this point and leaves. Uh, they come up with a plan involving using an EMP to stop the Batmobile. Uh, the problem is, is that it would fry all their vehicles too. So luckily Nightwing knows where they can steal an old school analog car as tough as the Batmobile. And it's one of the old Batmobiles. <laughs> It's the fucking Keaton Batmobile. It is. Which it is, is one of the coolest ones. <laughs> so this is some like fan service bullshit, but I absolutely love it. If if Murphy wants an excuse to draw different era Batmobiles, I don't need like a good excuse really from him. I mean, it makes sense that Batman would have. Yeah. I mean, like, and, and it is, you know, a thing where he has multiple ones. And like, I just love that Murphy, as we'll see later, he draws more different Batmobiles. But like, he just takes like all the eras and it's it's great. Um, I like this whole, the whole takedown Batman plan I thought was pretty clever. Yeah, it's good. Um, uh, it's, uh, that's the whole thing that happens next. Basically they go through with the plan. Gordon insists on being the one to take him down. And, uh, the plan's pretty neat. Um, it's paced well and it's pretty suspenseful the whole time. Like, uh, yeah. What'd you, what'd you think of like the actual plan itself? I thought it made sense. Yeah. Like you know? basically they lure Batman into an area, blind him with floodlights while driving, hit an EMP and Gordon just catches up to him and wrecks him off the road. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, and it's, it's pretty cool. It's, it's tense the way that he draws it out too. And like, um, they both get out of their wreck Batmobiles, bloody and bruised. And Batman said, he's, he's still just clinging on. He's like, he's like, Napier is still the Joker. You know, he's still the Joker. And like, and Gordon's like, maybe, but he's not the problem right now. And Batman like tries to escape, but is blocked by Jack. Uh, this is where we get their, their big knockdown drag out fight. And it's, it's pretty brutal. Um, Jack eventually comes out on top. Um, and, uh, it's super heavy. He like cries over him. And he's like, yeah. what have I done? You know, and like, and he's obviously very emotional about the whole thing. And Jack brings him back uh, to the rest of the GTO to be arrested. And, and, and Jack actually enforces not removing his mask. Yeah. He's, he's like, no, like, like, I, like, no. And um, like at that point, we jump back to Neo Joker. She activates the freeze cannon, freezing a huge sec, uh, like a giant sect of Gotham. Um, and she writes, she writes a message on some of the buildings that says yeah. send Joker. That part was kind of silly. Yeah. On a set of high rise buildings. And I, I put, even from the first time I read this, I was like, I always thought that this looked a little goofy it and, does. and I thought about it and I was like, it's a cool idea. And to be completely honest, like, how do you draw that Yeah, without it? Like looking kind of goofy. Like, it's like, I, I get what he's going for, but like, it's maybe it's just the colors. Yeah. It like it's so, it's like cartoon ice. Um, like on, over the icy buildings like this was another uh, another one of those like whiplash scenes for me um how it's 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 almost like we're missing several panels where the napier's yelling about keep the mask on and then we cut to them saying what the hell it's coming from gotham harbor um it's just there, there needs to be something else in between those two panels. Like it jumps immediately to that. I think the implication is that this happens right then. Yeah, but I don't like, like that. Yeah, it's it's very fast paced. Like you know, just like these things need to happen by this issue type of thing. You know, yeah, but that like, that was one of the other, really kind of the only other. Like, yeah, this I do, is way too fast. I kind of wish we had a moment to breathe with the fact of like Joker bringing in the Batman to exactly being arrested. Like we see that and like at least get like a a bit more of a reaction out of everybody because like even like Nightwing, I'm sure at this point would kind of have his head down, like in being like, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) You know, like because Nightwing still doesn't really trust Jack. Mm -hmm. Like we see that a little later, you know I mean? Like, or or even before this, like, you know, when they were pitching the GTO to him, I think he punches him 
Yeah, he's at like, one point. No. Yeah, <laughs> like, but um, but we do get the super cool shots of Gotham being frozen. Yeah, that is cool. That is cool. Awesome. I like that effect a lot. Yeah, and like, so um, we don't do it. Barbara like angrily confronts uh victor freeze in the lab and finds out that he actually helped uh well we get this reveal <laughs> it's back to being emotional here and see but like uh we get the reveal that he actually helped alfred hook bruce up to the freeze tech that saved his life earlier and he also tells her that alfred's last request um to freeze was to not reveal bruce's identity and out of respect for thomas wayne uh he would abide um we do finally get some exposition about all of this but um not freezes like entire backstory. Uh, basically we find out that like Thomas Wayne organized a secret program to uh, utilize Nazi assets from the, uh, whom the U S had prisoner. So it's basically like operation paperclip. Um, freeze's father was one of these guys. Uh, Thomas was interested in like the freeze tech for like the healing properties and all the good stuff. And he built the facility um, in these tunnels under the German embassy because the they were like, oh, well, you can build this, but it can't be on U.S. soil. So I guess they got around that by using the embassy. But um, we do get like clear confirmation that the Wayne family are not Nazis <laughs> and that the U.S. like I was like, Whew. yeah, <laughs> and that the U.S. <laughs> War Department is terrible for allowing Freeze's father to build things like this cannon. Uh, we also see that Freeze himself hated his father and is definitely not a Nazi. So we can have good guy Freeze now. And uh but yeah, I, I, this uh, this does bring up something about Mr. Freeze for me that I, I've always been curious about. And we because because in the next um, sequel, minor spoilers, we do get an issue about the background of Mr. Freeze, like a flashback issue. Uh-huh. Um, and like <laughs> was Freeze ever why was Freeze ever a bad guy? I don't know. I was say <laughs> in this universe, like it's implied because like dick even says like he's like you're working with freeze like you know or whatever like probably earlier. so that he could get money like by by robbing people I, I guess but like he genuinely doesn't seem like a bad guy i mean freeze. like unless if he i mean and mr freeze in general isn't always a bad guy he's one of those characters that is depending on the writer can be written as a good bad guy yeah um i like i, I like mr freeze a lot i do too and i like him being like part of the good guys in this story you know but like it's just one of those things that brings up i'm just like was he ever a bad guy in this universe (laughs) like it's like he seems like he's just like trying to do the right stuff i don't know like i mean maybe he suffers from some inaction and that we see a little bit later but you know he doesn't seem like a bad guy anyway uh freeze does refuse to help um when barbara's like you gotta help you know whatever and saying his father built the cannon and he knows nothing about it which is pretty much just a lie but like uh, <laughs> back with Harley and Jack, they have an argument about him taking too many pills and uh, he's bound and determined to deal with Neo Joker and gets very upset when Harley says that they're in over their head. And she implies that they need Batman's help, like, you know, because he's the one experienced in dealing with these situations. And they meet up with Gordon and the GTO to go over a strategy for dealing with Neo Joker. But during this meeting, Jack actually reverts uh, back to the Joker form, saying that uh, they'll give her what she wants while everybody like pulls out guns around him. That's how like that issue ends. Mm-hmm. Um, so we pick up and like everybody understandably freaks out. Jack is like, he, he quickly regains control and uh, explains that the pills are losing effect. And um, at first, like the GTO, like don't want to utilize them, but he says they, they don't have a choice. You know, at the end of the day, like Neo Joker will be defeated by him or the Joker. So they just kind of suit up and we see Batgirl and Nightwing 
they visit Bruce's cell, um, who's he's currently locked up in Arkham Asylum. And um, I love the shots of Batman sitting like with his hands together, just thinking. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and they know they, they even point out they're like they know that he can break out at any time. Like he, he, like he totally could escape, you know, and um, they actually encourage him to do so so that he can help with the situation. But he actually recounts what Harley said to him and uh, Joker and himself needing each other like it, she, she, he remembers that. And uh, he tells them that Jack will come for him eventually. And um, at the freeze cannon base, which is an awesome comic book thing to say, um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Jack and Harley, <laughs> they, they meet up with Neo Joker. And uh, she demands Jack to let the Joker out. Uh, he concedes and turns around and um, uh, saying he'll bring him out. Uh, this is the scene I mentioned earlier uh, when we were talking about uh, Jack and Harley's training sequence. Um, Neo Joker asks him where he's going and he like turns around and snaps and he's full Joker again. And he's like, uh, he turns around and like in full Joker mode, he's like, don't question me, you brat. You will. <laughs> he's like, you won't be back. Then we'll do it my way. And he has like the same face, like that same like angry face. Yeah, that you know? fit when he when he snaps at Harley that first time, it is a little like. Um, it's like, Oh, it's you, a little, is there some Joker in there? Like, you know, yeah. yeah. I mean, he did get hit in the face, but I mean, you know, still, but, still. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So like her reaction is like a face of fear and her confidence is like instantly stripped away. And she's like, she literally just says like, uh, dot, dot, dot. Oh, okay. And, uh, she's like really timid. And yeah, I just wanted to point out like very different from Harley's instant comeback after she hit him in the face, you know, like yeah. that, that's the. That illustrates the difference between those two women, like, extremely well, I think. Um, but yeah, like, outside and alone, Harley and Jack discuss what to do. Jack is, like, basically just ready to give in. He's like, he's like, I, I gotta do it. I gotta give up, you know, and become the Joker. And um, he sees no other option at this point. But Harley's like, you've never played by the rules before. You haven't even done it since you got better. Like, why don't we... <laughs> we can come up with something, basically. And she ends by saying like you know uh, they'll they'll defeat her um if they do something the joker would never do and bam now we're back at the first scene of the book finally i did lie when i said i had only one other that was my last tonal whiplash yeah um not tonal whiplash sorry pacing whiplash yeah batman's been in jail for like five pages basically (laughs) and they're they're like it's been a long time or whatever yeah not even that (laughs) it's like batman being put in arkham asylum is a huge deal yeah and I feel like it wasn't given any weight or any we get, we, circumstance because he, they're immediately like, we got to get him out. Yeah. He does in the following scene retroactively say that his time in Arkham helped him. Um, the, the pacing in this book. But yeah, it, to, it does make it seem like he was in there for a day. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I mean, when you think about it, like, yes, this is stuff that will all take place over a year. Over a I year. I mean, yeah. Um, and... But yeah, it's just in terms of the actual page by page pacing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, well, I already get him out. Yeah, yeah, it it does go pretty quick. We don't. I wish we had like a scene of him like actually talking to doctors or something like that. You know, yeah. like I mean, um, but yeah, we'll. we'll <laughs> I have a comment about him and Arkham in just a moment. But <laughs> so, uh, yeah, bam, back at the first scene of the book. Finally, um, we see the conversation between Jack and Batman. Um. Jack asks Batman if he'll help him and Batman's like, I will always help Gotham, you know, or whatever. And, uh, but he has conditions where he's like, I want you to confess fully. And they have a good little moral argument, like about the law. Um, you know how they both break it basically. And, uh, Jack concedes that he will confess if Harley goes free and Batman agrees, but tells him that 
he's got to tell him what happened to Robin, like Jason. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jack can't remember. I love this part. It, yeah, it's really good. And like, um, so this is another emotional one too, but like um, Jack can't remember. It's like the Joker's like keeping it from him, like, you know, intently. And, uh, but with like a little guidance from Batman, Batman actually like kind of helps him focus and he's able to pull the memories back. And, uh, we get this like heart wrenching truth that Robin is actually still alive. Jason is alive. And that night Joker tortured him trying to get Batman's identity. That was the actual purpose. It wasn't like just because he was jealous or wanted to, I mean, he is, but you know, it's, it's like he, he wanted to know his identity. That was what he was torturing Jason over. And he eventually broke um, and with tears in his eyes, uh, Jason said, I wish I'd never met Bruce Wayne. And it's like, fuck. <laughs> and so like, like broken and defeated Robin is set free by the Joker and simply let Batman believe he was dead. Um, the, this was all a game by the Joker. He, he knew that like the Joker knew this truth would hurt him more than knowing that like the Joker killed Robin. There's, there's a scene where, I mean, one of the big strengths of the, um, Batman design in this book too is that you can see his eyes. Yeah, they're not whited out. Um, um, and that really lends to this scene where when Batman says, Jason's alive, why didn't he come back to me? He's like wide-eyed and like... It looks like he's about to cry. Yeah. And yeah. it's so... It's like a really powerful little panel. It really is. And it's like this whole scene is... Yeah. I mean, like, and Jack actually like apologizes to Batman like after they have like a silent moment of driving and Batman like goes in full Batman mode, he quickly changes the subject. And he's like, you know, he asked why the Joker never said anything. If he thinks that he's Bruce, he's like, if he like, Oh, thinks he's Bruce Wayne. Like, why didn't he like ever say anything? And Jack's like, (laughs) he's like, well, maybe because the Joker felt like it, it gave him power over you, you know? And, um, I do love Batman's face in this, like, fuck. Yeah, and uh, they they've done this in the main continuity before too, with like the Joker knowing who Batman is, and I don't really mind it. I've had enough like regular Joker stories forever, but this is an interesting facet to like explore in any of them. I think. Yeah. Um. And I I just like Batman's face. Like. Yeah. Uh. You know. Fuck. He got me. Yeah. And then well, then Batman tries terribly to play coy and ask. Yeah. He's like, he's like, do you, do you believe that? What do you he's think? Bruce Bruce Wayne. That, that's weird. You know. And. Uh, <laughs> And uh, Jack like just interrupts him, like doesn't even let him finish. And he's like, he's like, I've known you, I've known for months. Like you know, he's like, when investigating the bat, and we get this awesome reveal where it, you get your your confidence fully restored back in Batman at this point because he uh, he says that when he was investigating the Batman Devastation Fund, he found that it wasn't billed to the taxpayers, but it was a hundred percent replenished by companies owned by Bruce Wayne. Yeah, you find out that it he knows about it. It's. On purpose, because he knows he's destructive. Yeah. So, yay. This universe isn't eternally dark and miserable. Our hero is still a hero, just faulty, which is good, you know? And then we get the awesome shot of frozen people. Yeah, yeah. You see some frozen people. Like, Jack and Batman, actually, they, they meet back up with Freeze, um, who man, who actually managed to unfreeze Nora. Hell and she, yeah. And she's alive, but, you know, she's on, like, life support. And, um, she's not awake yet. But uh, Batman asks, like why he isn't by her bedside. He's like standing outside the room and like freeze laments about like real emo freeze about how, uh, when she awakens, she's like, she's like, she'll see a city frozen and this curse follows us forever. (laughs) And And Batman's like, I cut my wrists and black my eyes. (laughs) And Batman's like, no, you're going to help change that. 
and going to be cool. And Freeze is finally like, okay, <laughs> like, you know, I'm going to do something in this book. And like with Freeze's knowledge of like the tunnel workings, because they don't have the map anymore because Neo Joker and Hatter stole it. Uh, they bring a plane to the GTO and Batman brings Batmobiles for everyone. Nice. I guess I could have mentioned this <laughs> also um, during uh, any of the car heavy like action sequences we've gotten so far. But if it isn't obvious, Murphy is super into cars and technology, and it makes something like to me that I think is, is pretty unique in like mainstream comics. Um, he, he has said that he takes like massive influence from Japanese manga and like European art, and you can really see the manga element, I think, when he draws like action involving cars. Like I've, I've even seen like interviews where he's he even like directly says like he's like when, when you draw the Batmobile with a with a manga slash like Akira sort of mindset, you can do things with that car that most artists wouldn't think of. Yeah. A lot like, of like, <laughs> it's like, if you've ever seen or read initial D, you know, like it's just, it's very that like early nineties Japanese, like street racing manga stuff. Yeah. You can really see that in his art. Well, having me um, a guy who just read Akira for the first time, I like, it. I was like, I was like, Oh yeah. Like now I, I mentioned that, that. I'm like, yeah, my brain is well. Like flooding. that's even like a direct quote from him. He says manga slash Akira. <laughs> so he's just he's like that's obviously a big influence on him. Um, um, yeah, and if if in the in the back of the of the version you loaned me, there's concept art from Sean Murphy, and on the one on the Batmobile, he actually mentions if you look like in the liner notes, he says like it, based on this this Porsche for the front end and this for the back end, blah, 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 blah. Like he really knows his cars. Yeah, he does. Like he, he's, he's very much into that stuff, which, which makes for cool designs, honestly. Like I, I dig it. Um, and I, and that that's coming from a, a non car man. Nick is on record as a not car man, a not car man. We're not car man. He only rides scooters. <laughs> I mean, I drive a car. I don't, no. I don't know anything about him though. Nick's never driven a car. Not a manly man, not a manly car man. Anyway, as Jack uh, reveals like the Batmobiles to everyone, um, he actually momentarily slips back into the Joker to which Batman grabs him. I love that little panel too. He instantly is just like ready to fucking grab him. He's like right into Uh, it. (laughs) But um, Jack is able to like rein it in again, but it's obviously becoming harder for him. And Batman is like, he like lets go and he's like, he's riding with me (laughs) or whatever. And uh, there's another emotional moment. Like, so be, before this is another one of my favorite God, scenes, it's so good. Book. Yeah. It's like, so, um, so before the entire team, like loads into their Batmobiles, um, this is the section we were talking about earlier too, where, uh, Murphy takes this opportunity to show us like all these different Batmobiles. Like you get the Tumblr from, you know, the dark Knight series, um, with Christian Bale and, uh, you get like, you know, the animated series <laughs> Batmobile and like all this cool stuff, like from all the movies and everything. And, and, and it's just, it's really cool. Um, but yeah, so before the entire team loads in the Batmobiles, uh, Batman pulls Dick and Barbara aside and reveals that he has that letter from Alfred. Um, he tells them he's afraid to read it and he isn't ready to see them or yeah, yeah, he's not ready to see the, like his last words. Um, Barb asks if, uh, she's just like, are you Okay. And he gives like this great speech and I think I'm just going to read it because like <laughs> it's do it justice. Of, it's really good. Yeah. Um, he says, uh, I'll never be okay. And my hardest struggle has been trying not to let that affect you. One day when I leave you a note like this, what would I say? Probably something that tries to protect you. Something you can draw upon in your darker moments. Something that will make up for my mistakes. Something about why I still fight as Batman. 
that it isn't out of duty to avenge my parents. The reason I keep fighting is for you, a safer Gotham that you can be proud of so that one day you can take off the masks. This is complete uh, redemption and like a turnaround in how you've, how I felt about Batman. This whole story yeah, is just this, this little quote. Um, and, and at this point, Murphy has effectively made us root for both Batman and Jack. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, we, we want them both to succeed, you know? And, uh, yeah, the, the following panel too is like Barb's crying and I'm, and I'm right there with her, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. just a great character development that you don't get incredibly often in like big superhero books, you know? Um, uh, they hug and, um, like as Bruce goes to get into his Batmobile, Gordon comes up and it like attempts to apologize for arresting him. But, Bo- but Bruce is like, uh, you know, no, like you did the right thing. And, um, in fact, he, he tells him like he plans to take off the mask after this because Gotham deserves the truth. And, uh, <laughs> this, this part made me think too. I was like, at this point, I'm just thinking who would have thought that the one person in history who Arkham Asylum worked for was Bruce Wayne. <laughs> Yeah. Like, like he even mentions he's like, what, like before he gives that heartfelt speech, he's like, he's like, I had a lot of time to think in Arkham, <laughs> whatever. Like, it's like, it actually healed him. Yeah. Like the one guy who fucking benefited from Arkham Asylum. But anyway, like, so th- this is the ending of the penultimate issue and it ends with the Batmobiles riding out towards the villain base and uh, Jack and Batman like go over the plan and uh, Batman's like, you know, y- you can get close to Neo Joker and by pretending to be the Joker, you know? But Jack reverts back at that moment in the car, claiming he won't be pretending. And he says, I'm the Joker, baby. (laughs) But so we're on the last issue here. This uh, picks up right where we left off and uh, Joker and Batman riding together in the Batmobile. Um, Batman tells him that he wants to talk to Napier and uh, Joker refuses, says that, you know, he's like, he's like, he's like, nah, you want me at the wheel? And he's like, and we, we can work together to get rid of Neo Joker. Like he, he, he wants her gone too. You know, he, he, he's, he, he gave into exactly what Neo Joker said with, you know, the ego thing of being like, oh, uh, yeah, uh, I want her gone. I'm the Joker, you know? (laughs) And, uh, so then we get this super cool, big, dumb fight. Um, (laughs) you get, you get all these villains, like, uh, like fighting all these Batmobiles and it, it's just, it's pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, I fucking love that Bullock. I have that in my note too. Yeah. just <laughs> fucking shoot King Croc. Uh, well, well, that, uh, that happens eventually too. King Croc. What's uh, his name? Killer Croc. Killer yeah. Croc. Him and Duke just shoot King Croc later. But <laughs> so my, funny. my favorite is, uh, is when they're still in the Batmobiles and I especially love when Bullock just straight up runs over the penguin <laughs> and, <laughs> and sends him flying after yelling, bring it on happy feet. <laughs> yeah it's amazing i love to uh, like i my first thought was like really the penguin and i was like well the penguin's just a guy he's dead he's just, <laughs> but then but then later on there's a scene where he's just floating down with his umbrella so i was like oh he's okay <laughs> never mind i really love the way the um uh the animated series batmobile looks in the panel where it shows nightwings driving it oh yeah it's so it's cool just- <laughs> yeah so like um you see neo joker like you know on top of the tower um, with Hatter and she's like losing her cool. She doesn't know how to like react to all the chaos. And, uh, we get Harvey and Duke, like we were just saying, helping each other, like kind of healing some old wounds from before. And, uh, I think Bullock even calls him a, a partner. Like he called, he's like, thanks partner or whatever, you know? Yes, sir. And you're like, Oh, but, um, Batman, uh, launches like the dark or Batgirl, excuse me, um, launches, she's driving the dark Knight tumbler. 
Dude, this part's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because like three pages earlier, they say like, remember, we cannot damage the cannon. And then Batgirl's like, I'm she gonna will- drive the tumbler <laughs> right into the top of it. She does. She does. Like, Somehow it doesn't work the cannon. But yeah, like of it. So she she like launches up there, putting her on the tower with Neo Joker and Hatter, who go running. Uh Poison Ivy starts to choke her until uh, Mr. Freeze shows up and, and he and he blasts her. And he has this line about being out of ice puns. And I was like, I could take it or leave it. Whatever. Making fun of those Arnold puns from Batman and Robin is like so tired at this point. But I'm like, whatever. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> uh, Freeze says like he's on top, you know, with the cannon. And he's like, he's like, I think I can modify this. Like, and, and he starts to work on it. Uh, Joker and Batman pursue Neo Joker. Um, Joker like is on like the front of the Batmobile, like jumps on her and punches her. And, uh, he breaks the uh, Hatter's mind control headband, releasing all the villains from their control, including a very angry Clayface who immediately goes on a rampage towards Joker. Um, uh, Batman tells Joker to take the Batmobile and uh, Harley joins him, uh, leaving Batman to kind of like fight Clayface by himself. Um, Jack, like while they're driving, temporarily regains control and gives Harley like this heartfelt goodbye. I feel like this is another one I should probably just read. Um, but he says... Um, they, <laughs> this might be my last chance to say this. Listen, you were right about me. Only you know Joker's biggest secret, that buried inside of him was a good man, someone Gotham City needed, someone as important as Batman, which is all I've ever wanted. Thank you for giving me a chance to learn who I really am, but most importantly, for giving me a chance to fall in love with you all over again. And I'm not crying. Everybody shut up, you know? <laughs> but, <laughs> but at this point, Clayface actually like catches up with him and he hits the Batmobile, forcing Jack to... like. He loses control. He can't stop the Batmobile. Um, Neo Joker pulls up next to him and she has Rocket's rocket at this point and uh, says that she can fit one more. It's very (laughs) it's very convenient. But she's like she's like, I can fit one more person on here. And she like pressures them like to pick Jack uh, telling Harley that like, you know, if if you really love him, you'd want him to live. And Jack, like in a moment of sacrifices, says if one of them is going to live, it will be the one who deserves it. And he tells Harley he loves her and He's like, go get her. And he activates the bat bike, which shoots through the gate, like with Harley on it, as the Batmobile crashes, seemingly like killing Jack. Um, uh, angrily, Harley like revs forward to catch Neo Joker. And uh, back at the cannon, water's like drowning everything from like all these explosions and shit. And like structures are like collapsing from the explosion, and villains are drowning, heroes are hurt. Uh, Freeze fires the modified cannon, bringing the city out of the ice. And then the entire structure like collapses around all of our characters, though. And uh, Jack is shown floating unconscious in the water until Batman actually dives in and grabs him out. Bullock shouts that rescue boats are inbound and uh, Batman resuscitates Jack. Um, We see Harley catch up to Neo Joker and she just like lays into her. It's I like this scene is really um, unsettling. Yeah, because it also kind of mirrors the fight between Batman and Jack earlier. Like Neo Joker is just going on about how Harley hates her because she reminds her of how she fell in love with like an abusive serial killer basically. And like, she hates that about herself. And, um, it actually seems like Harley is about to stab her to death until she hears on the GTO communicator that Jack is alive from Duke. And, uh, um, I kind of saw this a little bit as a parallel to the opening, uh, beat down that Batman gives. That, that's Joker. what I meant. That's what I should have specified which fight I was talking about, but that's yeah. what I mean. Yeah. The, the opening fight with the, with the pills and everything, like it's even, even, um, looking at it now, I didn't make the connection. The The shot where Harley stabs Neo Joker mm-hmm. is almost this framed the same as Batman pouring the pills in Joker's mouth. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. Um, it's very mirroring. Yeah. There's a lot of full circle stuff that happens in this book. Wow. <laughs> and like, uh, yeah, so we, we catch up where everybody's receiving medical attention. And uh, <laughs> I want to talk about this funny little panel where uh, there's a funny scene where Jack and Batman are talking. And Jack says, uh, you should have let me drown. I would have died a hero. And Batman says, I never let that happen. And Jack responds, uh, he's like, you letting me die or are you letting me be a hero? And like Batman looks all irritated and he just says, pick one. <laughs> I thought that was funny. And then and then I like too where he says, uh, I'm not going to lie, the Batmobile got a little wrecked. Yeah. <laughs> and he gives him the keys back. Yeah. yeah. But like, uh, so Harley rides in like with Neo Joker tied up and, uh, she's like ecstatic to see him and runs to, to hug him. Uh, I love her, her, her reaction there. I don't know why that panel just like, it just makes me happy that she's so happy. That's one of the things to, you know, where it just his Sean Murphy, the way he draws faces is so expressive that yeah. it, I connect to him really well. And there's little hearts around her speech bubbles. <laughs> yeah. Cause she says, pudding. Yeah. That like, whatever. <laughs> but yeah. So, uh, Jack tells them to take him to Arkham before he permanently reverts to being the Joker again. Uh, he wants to walk into it, that place, uh, like, well, he still has a dignity and, uh, they lead him to like his new cell, um, where Jack requests that Harley and him are married while, uh, you know, he's still present, like he's still there and in control. And they actually like Gordon and Batman are there and, um, they get a priest to do like their I do's, but, uh, in like a pretty horrifying scene. It's really sad. Yeah. It's really sad. Uh, Jack reverts to into the Joker right at the end. Uh, and Joker says like, I do while he like just laughs in her face, you know, and, we get like one little panel where we hear the laugh like reverberating through Arkham Asylum and uh, Neo Joker's there and uh, she kind of like smiles when she sees that he's laughing. You know, she can hear the Joker laugh again. And um, so Batman goes to meet Barbara and Dick um, where he opts to read Alfred's letter with them. And I'm sorry to do this, but I feel like I should read it again just for the full effect here. Um, <laughs> so Alfred's letter reads, Bruce. I know you waited as long as possible before reading this because you're too frightened to let me go and because you don't know how to say goodbye. No doubt my death made you feel more alone than ever, causing you to retreat into that dark place where you think no one can find you. And you probably tried to push everyone away, convinced that only the isolation would give you the strength to return, but you were wrong. And that's always been hard for you to understand, that there's no strength in being alone. I'm happy you're finally reading this because it means that you now understand it means Barbara and Richard are there with you, as I doubt you could read this without them. It means you understand how their love is essential to moving forward. But most importantly, it means you're ready to say goodbye. Goodbye, my son, Alfred. And then he said he has like a PS where he's like, check the loose floorboard in my quarters. There's something that you're ready to see. And that's part of the sequel. You know, I love it. I love the where he says my son. Yeah. Uh, I just love getting to see these awesome Batman moments that you just don't really get in like regular continuity. Take them for granted a little bit that there's emotional touchstones going on. Yeah. I mean, Alfred actually like the main continuity died like last year or something. And I think like, I remember that. You telling me about that. It's kind of done in like a way that I wasn't so keen on, you know, and like just, they haven't done anything that great with it. And like this, like I, I keep coming back to this, but like, we didn't even see Alfred really in this book yeah. and like, and I'm still like emotionally invested, you know, like Murphy has a real way with, with this kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, so we see, um, Jack's confession tape, like making the rounds on the news and, uh, it said like Harley is donating everything she has, uh, to build a new library in Backport. 
And um, it's established too that she's uh she's living like in Backport now, and like Duke is like you know you're you're a tough lady, and like you know you're always welcome here, and blah blah blah. And they're gonna be allies going forward. Um, we get a final conversation between Harley and Batman where he essentially says he figured everything out. Um, Harley developed the medicine that Jack was using. She was the one who recorded the footage at the beginning of the book. She led Jack down the path. She was really Gotham's white knight. There's lots of little hints about this throughout the book. Yeah, it doesn't feel like out of nowhere, you know, mostly. mostly. The, particularly the scene um, when the when the ice gun goes off, Harley says, what have I done? Yeah, she does. Um, and you're like, what? Yeah, you're like, it's kind of like the first time that we hear the uh, Third Reich line from Mr. Freeze. And we're yeah. like, wait, what? <laughs> the, I think the biggest thing, and it's something I just noticed uh, while we were setting up today, in the White Knight logo... It's got the there Harley are, diamonds. There's two diamonds in mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Um, and it's really subtle. And I think it's it's brilliant because it is. Harley's the actual white knight. It is because that was present from the very first issue cover <laughs> too. Oh. Like <laughs> is it on all of them? Uh-huh. That's like the logo has the diamonds. Yep. It's cool. Um, I do have I have a question. Yeah. Um, am I missing something where I can't remember when Batman says, um, about discovering the Joker in that cell, what did he mean? Yeah. Is that follow-up? Is that a thread for a later story? Yes. Okay. Yeah, we get a lot of little threads, like the whole PS from Alfred, um, the uh, Joker saying that the cell that he's being taken back to is where he discovered the Joker. Okay. Um, yeah. There's a lot of little stuff. Um, yeah, I like... This is, again, just uh, further ammo for... Harley being my favorite character in this story. Yeah. And her relationship with Batman being just super interesting. Yeah. That they're almost peers. They go into that a lot more in the sequels in, in a really just more interesting and fascinating way. Um, I'll save the sequels again with no spoilers, but I feel like they're just as captivating and just as interesting. This is a highly like consistent series. Good. Yeah. Um, Batman, um, uh, at this point too, talking to Harley still, um, uh, like, you know, he tells her all this and she's like, wow, you figured that out. Even Jack couldn't figure it out. And he's like, who do you think told me? I like that. Yeah. Jack told him and, uh, he knew all along and Batman mentions how before Napier reverted, um, he mentioned something about his cell about like what we just said about discovering the Joker there, but Harley doesn't know anything about it. And uh, when he asks, um, he the last thing he asks her is he's like, "Do you think Napier is really gone?" And she just smiles and walks away. Yeah. Um, now we're on the the very final scene. Final scene is between Batman and Gordon. Uh, Gordon mentions that the uh, serum that Batman and Freeze developed, and how uh, he's like, he's like, "It's amazing. You brought Nora back, you know." And Batman says that they lost another patient, which is sad. And he he's it, Gordon's like, "I'm sorry, someone you knew," and he's like, "My best friend." And you're like, oh man, more sad Alfred shit. <laughs> but Gordon says he's sorry. And he's like, is that what you're here to talk about? And uh, Batman um, instead hands him the keys to the Batmobiles, more little bat keys. And uh, he's like, he's like, keep these, you know, for the GTO. And uh, he goes on to tell Gordon he was right. And he should have shared his technology and resources long ago. Uh, he tells him that like last year, he almost killed the Joker and it wasn't the first time he had snapped just the first time that Gordon knew about it. Um, he goes on to say he isn't suited to be Batman anymore because like he, he, you know what we were talking about at the beginning where we're like, 
he enjoys hurting criminals. Um, he mentions how he isn't sure sometimes why he wears the mask, like whether it's to scare criminals or just, or because he scares himself. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of like the Batman psychology stuff that people like to talk about in this book. And, um, which I, I think it, this is probably the best take on it that yeah. I've seen. And, and it gets further elaborated on a lot in the sequel. Um, um, I do have before, I guess, before we get further, um, is, is Batman more of a main character in the sequel? Because in this, he's more of a supporting. That's true. Um, Curse of the White Knight, the sequel, is definitely a more Bruce-oriented story. Okay. Um, it's also heavily focused on the Wayne's, like, the past. Okay. Like, you know, which obviously affects Batman. But it does follow him as more of, like, the direct, like, POV character, I think, more so. Because um, I'd say, you know, probably Jack is probably, like, the main character of this I think one. it's interesting how um, it's a Batman story, but he's not. He's not the main character. Yeah. Well, you don't even really feel like we know him until like five issues in or something like yeah. over halfway through the, the series. Um, but yeah. Uh, so Gordon, like, you know, is, is like kind of argue back at Batman after saying all that. And he's like, he's like the city needs Batman and that, you know, they, they can work, we can work all this out, you know, and get it back on track. But Batman refutes that. He's like, he's like, he's like, we tried that before. Like, he's like, we fell asleep at the wheel. Like people need something different now. And, that that's how Napier beat us. You know, that's why he won over the public. Like, because we just, we stopped caring. We stopped like seeing like what was important. And Gordon says to give it time and the people will trust Batman again. But Batman ends the book by saying that he needs to tell them who Batman is. That's, it's the only way that they'll trust him. And most importantly, it's the only way Gordon will trust him. And he takes off his cowl and turns himself to reveal Gordon as the last panel. Um, and that wraps the, up Bat Night. One of the coolest strongs in the book, too. Yeah. Is the shot of Bruce Wayne turning. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the end of a old, old Batman White Knight. Quite the journey. I like to imagine, too, that like when, when he turns around, like immediately after that, Gordon's just like, who's this guy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't like, know who he is. He's like, yeah, you're. I knew. You're Bruce Wayne. <laughs> he's just like. Okay, like generic white guy with with black hair. I don't I don't know. Or he's like, there's two people in the city, fucking as built as you, Bruce Wayne and Batman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're the biggest man I've ever seen. Yeah, he's fucking huge. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah, that's Batman White Knight, man. Um, uh, I guess we could wrap up some overall thoughts here. If there's anything we didn't get into, I, I purposefully kind of put a lot of mine into the story portion as I've been kind of prone to doing the last few episodes just because I feel like it works better for the discussion. I did that too. I felt like maybe um I was being a little unorthodox or no, getting no. too into overall thoughts during the story. I kind of feel like that's the um, bulk of that is the bulk of the show. So it's like it's more entertaining for us to talk about that stuff in that moment. Yeah. You know? Um and, and we're still figuring it out too. Yeah. So. There's a lot of stuff too though like in this story in particular that like relates to the moment. So it makes yeah. more sense for us to talk about it. Um, I do have a few overall general things um, and some like prompt questions to ask you okay. that we can go through. Um, unless if uh, you got some stuff that you want to go through before you give like your your final. No, I think know. I touched on um, a lot of the issues and stuff I had before. So you go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I just got a few things to say and I'll, I'll pepper in some questions here. But I'm, uh, um, I just got to say, I love how this series like starts so dour and hopeless for like our typical heroes and it seems like that inversion type of flip 
but it's slowly revealed that like their heroic selves are still there and the narrative like naturally gets them back to those places through the course of the story. Um, as we said, there's a couple of things that are kind of like that doesn't hold up or why was it specifically like that? Like, or whatever. But like, I feel like that's all in service of like that kind of emotional, like arc going through, like, you know, we slowly reveal that all of them, like they, they are the, the ones that we like, you know? And, um, and, uh, it's, a, I, I think that that's pretty, that's worthwhile for the story. Uh, yeah, Mur- Murphy has like tapped into something here that seems so obvious, but really hasn't been done in like this context. Uh, it, you know, take everything cool about Batman in the cultural zeitgeist, mash it together. It's just like an obviously great idea. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, and it makes sense too, in that this is a Batman who's been doing it for 20 plus years. He would have all these experiences and like, you know, he'd have all these different costumes and, um, and it's it's a it's a really fun way to tie in a meta um multiverse of Batman into one uh universe. Yeah. No, it's it's just great. And like um I did want to ask, like we've already kind of t- touched on it, but this goes a little bit more specific. How do you feel about Murphy's like art direction for the story and does his writing match the caliber of it? I I mean I've kind of already gushed about how much I love the art quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I think we can all unanimously say that we, I think his art is perfectly suited for Batman. Um, and there's, like I said, I love the, the color tones that they went with are very atypical. Yeah. Huge props to Matt Hollingsworth on that. The yeah. color choices are just great. Like, like, like we've talked about, there's lots of oranges and reds, um, particularly in the first two thirds before before the city gets iced and then, you know, it has to be blue. Yeah. But, and then you get that weird letter thing with sin Joker, on the <laughs> but, but, but it makes it tonally distinct from other Batman stories I've read. Yeah. Um, and I think his writing is good. Um, that's why I was surprised that it was him writing Yeah, the story when, when I learned that about halfway through, um, that it was, yeah, I was like, Oh, he can write too. Good. Um, the, yeah, the only issue I have is, uh, is pacing. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, I think all of my, all of my, it's pretty fucking breakneck at points. Yes. And like, I think it works when you're enraptured in the story and there's a lot of dialogue in like these changing pages. So like, it makes it feel like the scene is longer than it is, but there are a few moments where you just realize you're like, Oh wait, we're going to this now. And like how much time has passed? Like, you know, yeah. it's a little unclear. I can't, I keep forgetting when I'm in the middle of the story that everything leading back up to that beginning tease at the front of the book is supposed to be a year. It feels you know, like, like it's like a week. Yeah. Um, like, until you think about like, oh yeah, you know, to be a fucking elected a councilman or whatever. Yeah. And like, and like in the trial must have taken a while, like, you know, and like all this stuff like, so, um, yeah, all, all of almost every single little problem I have with this book would have been solved by having two more issues. Yeah. And I mean, like, and to his credit, like, you know, he didn't know if he was going to have more time, you know? And and he was just like, I got this story and I got to tell it in this time. Cause I don't know if I'm going to get another chance at doing this. I mean, he didn't know he was going to have two, you know, unlimited sequels. (laughs) Like, and it be like this huge success. Cause I mean, I think that curse of the white knight and, uh, uh, 
White Knight Presents um, Harley Quinn are much more uh, satisfying in terms of the pacing. They're a lot more measured. Yeah, um, uh, especially Curse of the White Knight because it's like it's very pinpointed with like specific flashbacks for certain things that happen in the story and it doesn't move as quite as fast. Um, and, uh, well, I guess um, it's not really fair to say because, uh, Harley, the Harley Quinn one isn't actually written by Murphy. It's a, uh, it's scripted by his wife, uh, Katana Collins, who's oh, a, that's cool. Yeah. Um, who, uh, who's actually typically a romance novelist. Hmm. Um, and, uh, she does a great job. <laughs> like I think Murphy is credited on it, but I don't, I, I know he didn't script it. Um, he probably just like helped her with like the, the direction of like the universe was taken or something like that. Cause it seems like, I think on like later issues, I don't even think his name is on it. It's just hers. Mm-hmm. Like, like she handled it like after like the first issue or something like that. But he still does the art. No, actually it's uh it's Matteo Scalera who does the art. One of my favorites who uh, drew black science for Rick Remington. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, uh, yeah, I, I forgot to mention that. Yeah. God, we got to do that one. We got to do Curse of the White Knight and then do... <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna probably read these outside of the show. No! So. <laughs> we got to talk about it. Um, uh, but but uh, yeah, and then the new one's coming out this year, Beyond yeah, the White Knight. It's coming out in March. That's going to be awesome. I'm excited for it. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll just say, like, I, I feel like his writing on this book, like, it does take a, a few issues to really gel with me in the story because I, like, there are those breakneck moments, you know, but... I also feel that the way the narrative unfolds, it's, it's almost on purpose because like, you know, he has to keep some things vague and shove stuff off so that he can have like the revelations later. Yeah. Like I said, my main, like how I complained about the Joker, um, winning over the people so easily. And then, you know, at the end you find out it was all underhanded and he's lying and making stuff up. Yeah. Does offset that a little bit. Yeah. Um, you don't have to so, take that at face value yeah. the whole time. Um, yeah, it definitely changes it on rereads too. <laughs> but um, uh, how do you feel about this version or Murphy's version in general of the of the Batman mythos? Um, <clears throat> I think it's interesting. I think it's um, not fleshed out enough. Um, and that's not a fault of the story. Yeah, um, you can only do so much in eight issues or whatever, yeah. Yeah, because I mean, we've got the whole rogues gallery that have like two pages of screen time and zero characterization, you know? Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm interested. Um, they all feel not underutilized, but just, uh, the rogues gallery feels a little more like set dressing. Yeah. This one. They're there to like have fun. And I, I think again, that's a, a thing where he wasn't sure if he would get to do more. And yeah. he's like, I want to draw this shit, you know, <laughs> but, and it does up the stakes, them being involved, even though they're like mindless the whole time. Yeah. The, the bat family in that background, um, there's just enough information and being a fan of Batman, um, I can extrapolate, um, and interpret the rest of the details, you know? Yeah. Um, this is very much a story where. You I think of, you already have to be a Batman fan yeah. to an extent like, to understand, but I don't think you have to be a Batman comic fan to, no. to, to understand or, or get it. Like you just have to be semi knowledgeable of most of the stuff that, like I said before, is kind of already in the cultural zeitgeist. Like people know about Jason Todd, even though he hasn't been in a movie, you know, 
<laughs> like and all that stuff. Yeah. Like they they know that story or know the gist of it. Um, so you know, yeah, I think I think he does a really good job of, um, of assuming that you will know background lore for the Bat Family while putting his little twists and sprinkles on top yeah. that are brought to the forefront so that you can just, you know, yeah, I, I like this take on, um, this is honestly kind of one of, one of my preferred types of, of Batman takes. Yeah. Where it is, like I said, it, it assumes that, you know, Batman stories and it just gives little twists. Yeah. Makes it more rewarding. I think, um, just overall, um, now kind of off the back of that, like, how do you feel about the Joker's portrayal? Um, I like it. The some of the Joker's dialogue at the beginning is a little um, on the nose with how like he's like, all we're missing is the makeup sex stuff uh, like that. Yeah, um, it's very it's I mean, it's all it makes sense. Yeah, not I mean, not the makeup sex that I mean, when they're not going to start boning. Yeah, I mean, um, you really think about like the page real estate that the actual Joker has like the Joker persona. I was thinking it's about not, that. Not a whole end. lot. Like we you know, don't really know the Joker in this. Yeah. Most of what we know is secondhand knowledge from like Batman and Harley talking about him. Yeah. Um, and so uh, he's, I'm, I've never been a huge fan of the character, the Joker, because I'm, I'm not a huge fan of like manic psychos. Yeah. I mean, um, he's, I mean, obviously, as any character is, but I feel like it's especially relevant with the Joker. Uh, it depends on if the writer gets him or not. <laughs> this Joker, <laughs> and, and depending is... and depending on what kind of reader you are, you will have different opinions on what writers get the Joker as well, too. You know, I mean, like, uh, but this Joker, I don't think I have enough screen time to make an opinion of. Yeah, um, beyond that, he's a little too much of the zany, crazy Joker that I don't, I don't really care for. Yeah. Um, I really like Jack. Yeah. Jack is cool. He's an interesting character. Um, picking back off that, what about the Harleys? <laughs> well, I think I've said enough. I've said enough about Harley. Yeah. I fuck both Harleys. I, I love Harleen Quinzel is my favorite character in the story. She's my favorite too. Neo Joker. Marion Drew is, uh, I love that kind of. That's my favorite twist in the book. That's what hooked me. Yeah, that like I was issue like, two. yeah, I was like, oh, like, and then issue three begins and we see her come back. I was like, oh, it's not like a joke. Like she's not just a throwaway like commentary. Yeah. Like fuck that Harley Quinn from the movies, guys. Margot Robbie sucks. Yeah, like it's it's not that. It's like she's a real character, and yeah. like it, it was just reading that month to month, dude, was like enthralling. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> like it was really cool. I love like, the way that she she's portrayed realistically as an inexperienced. Uh, yeah, I mean, like she sees the fucking chaos I, going on at the end, and she's like, "I don't know what to do." Yeah, <laughs> like, she's like, she realized, like, "Oh, I've been piggybacking off of Joker this whole time." Yeah, and I don't, I don't know how to do this stuff. Yeah, um, showing that she is in over her head, and yeah, I just, I liked her quite a bit, and her design is just. Awesome. It is really cool. Yeah. So like, yeah, I feel like every character is pretty well realized and well rounded in this. Um, uh, like even if we didn't get sequels, which I'm really happy we did, I think it's pretty satisfying on its own. Um, uh, overall, 
Um, I just like the way that the story goes and it gives me enough of everybody that I like, you know, I enjoy if reading were, all of the characters. If there wasn't, I mean, even with the way the story ends with like, you know, Bruce taking off his mask, I'm kind of like, how's that going to, you know, what's the sequel going to do? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like, so um, before I ask you the final question here, this actually kind of goes into the polar drop question, but I think you kind of already answered it, I guess, just then, but I'm uh did this make you curious about the sequels? <laughs> like, 100%. Which you already said that you would read anyway. But um, Well, the main was I looked up uh, White Knight 3 and I saw that it was called Beyond the White Knight. Yeah. and it had, Are they calling it White Knight 3? No. I, I just say it's up. technically part four. I, I know that it's. Oh, yes, it is part yeah. three Cause, um, of White Knight. I guess I of like Murphy's White Knight. Yeah, because he technically didn't write the Harley Quinn one. The Harley Quinn one might as well be part three though man it involves bruce and like everybody like it's it's a, uh, it's i'd call it pretty mandatory reading <laughs> but uh but you know i mean maybe it's just like murphy has like his own like kind of idea like yeah. you know but dude's considered more of a side cool i saw that it fucking batman beyond in this universe and yeah. i was like oh boy and murphy's actually drawn batman beyond before too really like in the books yeah yeah i saw i i mean like like we said earlier, we're we're nineties kids, so like Spider Man twenty ninety nine and Batman Beyond were like all the coolest things ever. You know that we're all the money making like middle aged guys now because they're bringing both those back in yep. like major ways now. <laughs> so, but yeah, so like that's what I want to see. Hell yeah, <laughs> I'm down. Yeah, so all right, ultimate question then: Batman White Knight, Max, you gonna pull it? You gonna drop it? I think I would pull it. Um, I think I if have, I had to guess, I'd think that you would too from our conversation. Yes, I have. Um, I don't think the story was quite a home run, but I think it was really close to being a home run. Um, and I can see why you love it, and I'm really excited to read the sequels. Yeah. Um, which would mean that I would pull it. Yeah. This um, got me. This story kind of got me um onto DC Comics harder than I was before I had tried reading some of the seminal stuff and this story kind of made me realize the DC stuff that I really like are these alternate takes. That's what I was. Um, we were, while we were eating lunch, I was thinking about how much I, I we were talking about Marvel ultimate and, oh, I, yeah. and I was the thinking ultimate about universe. Yeah. what I like about DC compared to Marvel is all the alternate the else world takes that they do. I don't really care about the main timeline. Um, I like, and, and I mean, most of the Batman stories that I've read are all different universes. True. You know, yeah, he has a lot of them. Same and with Superman. <laughs> that's, I like that. Yeah. I love seeing they're different. fun. They encapsulate the like heart of the characters more, I think, because they just, they're, they need to represent the character in full in like this more compact short story or something, you know, and like they don't need to be beholden to 60 years of <laughs> continuity or whatever, you know? Yeah. And, and that's what I meant about, uh, you're left to infer. Yeah. And, uh, supplement your own backstory for like the, you know, the bat lore. Yeah. For this. And it's like you said, you're not beholden because a lot of it is left up to the reader exactly to fill in the blanks yeah so 
I totally agree. That's a pull. Yeah. And I just want to, again, shout out my boy, uh, Sean Murphy. Yeah. You're, Sean. you're real good at drawing. Yeah. Sean, thanks for all the work. We're, we, we are legitimately, we're big fans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, his, his stuff is great. Um, yeah, he's, he's another one of those guys that I've, I've mentioned on podcasts, just a creator that I will, uh, follow and buy pretty much anything I see his name on, you know? Nick is what we call an SM simp, a Sean Murphy simp. I'll simp for Sean. Yeah. Hashtag simp for Sean. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, uh, well, uh, yeah, there you have it, everybody. Uh, thanks for listening. If you want to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash none of my friends like comics. That way uh, we can continue to provide you with even more great content. Uh, never expected, but always appreciated. You can follow the show on Twitter at no comic friends, or you can email the show with your comments, opinion, thoughts at none of my friends like comics at gmail.com. If you mark it okay to air, we'll read it on the air and respond. Uh, we are entirely self-funded and just want to get the word out. So tell your friends and family who might be interested in this to give us a listen. We're on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you on the next page. Bye. Bye.